Listening to the Oz Movies Podcast only on the Oz Network. Welcome to the Oz Network for the exciting climax of Australia versus Canada Month, in which I'm going to proclaim Canada wins uh, because we're here to talk about the, I would say, the least known movie we have ever covered on the Oz Network, uh, which is the second, the third least known film (laughs) we've ever covered on the Oz Network. Um, we're, we're also <laughs> celebrating a 20th anniversary of Not Kill Phil, of the one of the least known movies ever. But this is a movie people have to see to believe. So I'm going to encourage you, if you happen to download this episode and you haven't seen it, give yourself 90 minutes to look up a movie called Treed Murray on YouTube and watch it. Because uh, this is a movie I've been so excited about for the last year since I decided at the end of our first month, we had to do this. It's a man stuck up in a tree for 90 minutes with a bunch of teenagers ready to kill him at the bottom. What more could you ask? And it's Canadian, so uh, we stand on guard for thee. My name is Colin and I made you, I dressed you. You reek of every billboard, every magazine cover, every commercial I put out over the last two years. You're a perfect demographic fit. You know, mid-teen, male, upper middle income, bored, hip hop listening, underage drinking, pathologically masturbating little consumer. And my name is Ben and take a look in the mirror, skank. Oh, sometimes our quotes actually fit perfectly together like a conversation almost. (laughs) They do. They do. I should have just actually just opened with kill Phil. Uh, (laughs) Very whiny. I'm sorry about that. (laughs) So Treed Murray, uh, this is a little Canadian movie that came out, got some award nominations. Nobody saw, nobody talked about. And strangely enough, for the last couple of years, it seems like this movie's reputation has slightly increased because I'll occasionally see it on lists of like, best Canadian movie and somebody will put Treed Murray on there. I'll see people talking online about Treed Murray. And uh, uh, a lot of it has to do with uh, the the main star who most people aren't going to be like super familiar with, but David Hewlett, who was like a semi big Canadian star in 2001 when this came out, uh, he had been easily the scene stealer on a Canadian TV show called Traders, which was like the biggest Canadian show of the nineties about stock market trading. And uh, he was also the prototype on that show for like, the quirky, eccentric, smart, intelligent, techie guy who works in a closet because he's antisocial uh, that every show is done now. Uh, but he, he was such a scene stealer and he had a little bit of, I'm not going to say name value, but face value. People recognized him. And then he got hired for Stargate Atlantis and uh, was a scene stealer on Stargate Atlantis, developed a big following. So it seems like a lot of people have seen this movie that maybe wouldn't have uh, if it had just been your average Canadian movie from 2001 that disappeared. So I'm hoping some people have heard of this. Ben, you've seen it for the first time. I saw it for the first time 20 years ago. What did you think of Treat Murray? Well, when you told me about this movie, and as you just said in the opening here, you're like, it's a man stuck in a tree for 90 minutes, (laughs) getting chased by teenagers who want to kill him. And I'm like, sounds familiar. I've been in that situation (laughs) before. Um, A lot more females. I think Ned Flanders. Yeah. (laughs) Um, And I'm thinking, like, what is this? And when you're like, it's on YouTube, I'm like, well, this must be a great movie if it hasn't been taken down. Um, So I I went into this with absolutely no expectations, didn't even watch the trailer, didn't read anything about it, just completely, you know, dead ringed it. And after dead ringers, I'm thinking, oh, no, what, what, what has he done? And, like, I'll be honest with you, like, 
Uh, last year, you know, both Canadian movies were, were good movies. I don't know if I'd go out of my way to watch them again. I was like, okay, they're, they're fine. Um, but I I was absolutely blown away by this film. I yes. was like, I was hooked. I was absolutely hooked. And I I, I, I loved it. I absolutely loved it. I'm spoiling it right now. And it's it's been rare, it's been a while since I've kind of watched a movie and literally gone like, wow, that was fantastic. I want to watch it straight, a, straight away again. Um, and this was Treed Murray. I, I was pleasantly surprised, Colin. This, this movie was great. All right. Finally, buy some it, success. Buy it done. All right, let's buy go. <laughs> uh, the movie itself, I mean, it's tough to say with any Canadian movie because I, I think I mentioned last week, even if something gets nominated for Best Picture at what used to be called the Genie Awards, now the Canadian Screen Awards, that doesn't really mean what because one or two of those movies are things that your film buffs would have heard of. Most film buffs don't know every movie that's nominated for a Genie. Uh, it's hard to see. I don't remember if this was playing in theaters anywhere, I think I saw a trailer for it before something else that I had rented on video once. Uh, it was either that, or I stumbled across it. A blockbuster said, Hey, it's that guy from traders and cube, which was like a Canadian sci-fi cult uh, favorite from a few years before this. And uh, just read the back and said, that sounds interesting, but I don't, I don't know of many people who have ever seen this movie. It does pop up on TV every once in a while. Uh, but um I feel like more so than most Canadian movies, even mainstream Canadian movies, they have a different feel to it. This is very universal. This is almost what we talked about with Crocodile Dundee. Why did Crocodile Dundee succeed overseas uh, when it was your typical Australian movie? Because they made it not in a way where it was pandering to an American audience or pandering to a worldwide audience. It just had universal appeal. I feel like Treed Murray is the same thing. It's got a lot of energy. It's very entertaining. It's fast moving. It's not your typical even indie Canadian movie. Like to me, I feel like you could release this now, 20 years later with no changes, put this in a theater, put some promotion behind it and it would be a hit. Yeah, I completely agree. And what this movie felt like to me, two other movies that I feel very similar to this, which I'm massive fans of, are Panic Room and Phone Booth, where kind of you you know particularly when you haven't seen it and you don't know what's going to happen you kind of it's it's an odd movie but like a really good movie and i think more so probably phone booth than panic room because i think what those sort of movies do well is you know on paper you've got bad guy good guy you know like this one the bad guy is chasing up a good guy up a tree phone booth you know you've got keith sutherland holding colin Far- colin farrell uh you know with a sniper good guy bad guy but as the movie progresses, you kind of are, okay, who's the good guy, who's the bad guy? You know, you're kind of doing it. And this does it better than Phone Booth. Um, mm-hmm. You know, we'll talk a lot about this. Like, you know, am I meant to, is it meant to be a good guy in this movie? <laughs> I mean, it's kind of like, what's going on? Um, but yeah, like I remember when I saw Panic Room for the first time, I absolutely loved it. It's one of my favorite movies. Didn't make my top 50, I believe, but uh, probably make my top 100. Same with Phone Booth, you know, just movies that I watched for the first time. Like, wow, these are great movies. Such a simple premise but you know works so well and you know i i mean i tell you now like if you had just said hey ben we're gonna watch treed murray i wouldn't be able to tell this was canadian uh Mm -hmm. until unless you're paying close attention to the the cityscape where you kind of see half of the cn tower a couple of times so i mean this movie does it well in like yeah i agree you could release this today exactly the same no changes it's going to have the same effect 
Um, you know, you, you don't really know where this is from. Um, and, it, and it works really well. And, and that, that's not to take away from Canadian cinema, which is maybe a little bit different. You know, if you showed this to an Australian, I guarantee you 99% of people are going to assume this is an American film anyway. They wouldn't know what the CN Tower is. Um, and again, that's no disrespect to other Canadian films that maybe go out of their way to kind of distinguish themselves as, hey, we're not American. Um, but yeah, I mean, this just so good. This, I mean, this could be made by any, this could be made by, you know, Uzbekistan and it would have had the same effect on me. It could have been Ben Waterworth. Yeah. God. I mean, I could have made this film. You could have said, Ben, we're going to do a movie about a man stuck up a tree for 90 minutes with people. I could have made that. That was Kill Phil 4.0 coming soon. A good day to Uh, kill Phil. uh, There's your title. A good day to kill Phil. (laughs) Live free and kill Phil. There you go. Kill Phil. Kill filler. Um, No. (laughs) The last kill Phil. (laughs) Um, the, the, the cast is very small for this movie. You basically have six or seven characters who are all on screen the entire time. Uh, it, it's a very small movie. The, the writer and director, this is one of the biggest confusions for me. And I mean, we, maybe one day we'll, we'll, we'll hunt him down. We'll see if we can get William Phillips on here because I know we're going to be talking about him again. Uh, William Phillips, he, he was making his directorial debut with this. He wrote and directed this movie. And after this, he became the go-to guy for the movies that the Canadian studios said, we're going to invest some money in this. We're going to actually promote these movies. And even a movie that's got money invested in and is promoted is still not going to be the equivalent of a hundred million dollar hit. I mean, if you're looking at, if people are familiar with like American box office numbers, a big Canadian movie might make, you know, the equivalent of 30, $40 million. They're all moderate size hits, except for Bon Cop, Bad Cop that we covered last year. But uh, after Men with Brooms that we covered last year, which was really the first Canadian movie that the studio said, we're going to put a huge marketing campaign behind this. We're going to, you know, really aim for a big box office. And that opened number one at the box office. The first movie that really capitalized on it after that, the, the, the concept of Canadian movies can be mainstream and marketable was a movie called Foolproof that William Phillips made right after this. So even though this was like the little movie that couldn't because it never achieved the awards success, it never gained an audience. It just sort of built over time. William Phillips was like handpicked to do foolproof, which was uh, Ryan Reynolds. This was maybe Ryan Reynolds first real starring role. And he was still making it at this point, a Canadian movie. He had been known for his sitcoms in America, but it's like a, a heist film foolproof. And I mentioned last year that that's something we might cover in the future. Uh, and then after that, William Phillips did a movie called gunless, which Paul gross, who did men with brooms, that was him doing uh, kind of a Western comedy, which, I think in a lot of ways is superior to Men with Brooms. Probably, probably in every way is superior to Men with Brooms. So uh, William Phillips went on to make two pretty big mainstream movies that had moderate success, and has done absolutely nothing in ten years since. So, <laughs> come on, let's let, let's use our stellar reputation to get the name of William Phillips out there. We want William Phillips to go back, do another gritty psychological thriller like Treed Murray. Uh, do Treed Murray too. Come on, we want to see Treed Murray. Uh, Part two, uh, what's what's the subtitle? Um, tree Treed Murrier. Uh. Treed Harder, yeah. <laughs> this time the tree's bigger, and this time the tree's <laughs> out for revenge. Just when you thought it was safe to get out of the tree. <laughs> um, something has survived the tree. Um <laughs> I, I, I just I did read the uh yeah the for the what you were just talking about there with um foolproof I love how it says a Canadian heist film 
Uh, I mean, what is a Canadian heist film? Like, give, give me all your jewels. I'm sorry, eh? Please. <laughs> <laughs> That's basically it. Um, yeah, I, I have no clue who William Phillips is until I watch this movie. So, you know, I, I've heard of Ryan Reynolds, if that helps. Um, so that, that kind of helps. But you mentioned the cast of this film. Um is there yeah. like seven people in this movie? Um, that's you've it. Got, what the main group? You've got the homeless guy and the cop. Uh, mm-hmm. That's it. Uh, there's one woman in this movie, so uh, for diversity's sake, 2021, not a great film. But um, yeah, I, what? Why did this movie like? I, 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 the thing I'm looking for this movie, I'm like, okay, I'm going to read like the trivia for it. No trivia on IMDb. The the Wikipedia mm-hmm. page, tiny. Um, you Google this movie, I found like some overly long review, which was written by some smart critic at like Harvard or something. I'm like, okay, this is too wordy for me. I'm not reading this. But like, I feel this is a movie that you should get more love. Like, you know, you're yeah. sort of saying about how it's getting maybe a bit more today, but even there's like a Reddit thread of, hey, you should check this movie out. It's pretty good. <laughs> it's got like one reply. Like, I feel that if this was an American movie, maybe this would be getting a lot of love. Like this... This is a great movie. I don't understand why this movie basically is just a K thanks bye. Like Swinging Safari, I think that's a great movie, but I can maybe understand why that isn't out there and, you know, people are going to love it. Like this is, I feel, a movie that anybody's going to watch and they're going to enjoy it. Mm-hmm. You know, I, it's kind of not a divisive film like, oh, Swinging Safari, you're going to love it or you're not. This is a movie which I feel everybody would love. So what's wrong with you, Canada and world? Come on. Like this movie. Yeah. What's wrong with you, William Phillips? Yeah. Do something. Talk about Treed Murray. Come on. Talk to us about it. We, I'm, I guarantee we're the only podcast that's ever covered Treed Murray. Like, yeah, well, no hey, doubt about it. I, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to, what did we say that with um, Dudley Do-Right? And I still haven't listened to that <laughs> other one. But um, let's see here. Du- Treed Murray podcast. Um, there's independent film. There's like a YouTube channel from 2020 that's done a five-minute episode on it um, oh we've already topped that yeah um i mean there's a post here from 2001 treed murray playback i don't know is that a <laughs> yeah no one has done a pot we are creating world history right now we are a world yes. record breaking podcast we're gonna send this to the guinness book of world records the only podcast to ever do treed murray <laughs> here we are boom world record holders but, you know, now that we've done it, everybody else is just going to copy and imitate. Rob has a podcast. Oh, he's yeah. a deep dive of Treed Murray <laughs> featuring Dan Foley. No, Dan Foley's out, Rob. <laughs> Leave him alone. Get on Tyson or someone. He'll talk about Treed Murray. Uh, we're going to pretty much jump into the movie. As you said, there's not much history or anything you get into this. Uh, I will say, though, uh, just before we get into the movie, uh, outside of David Hewlett, probably the most known actor in this movie is Aaron Ashmore. Uh, who's one of the Ashmore twins. His uh, brother, Sean, was uh, Iceman in the X-Men movies. Aaron Ashmore was Jimmy Olsen on Smallville. Uh, and uh, has since gone on to do another uh, pretty popular sci-fi show called Killjoys. Uh, I actually met Aaron Ashmore. It was the year that Jamie and I got married. So this would have been eight years ago. He was at the, the Winnipeg Comic Con. And we were, like, funding our wedding. I mean, we basically got engaged and got married just, like, three and a half months. So... Uh, three and a half months of, wow from when took we me, from the engagement until we got married took me two years and that was the second <laughs> one i was engaged for like six in the first one never got married so three and a half months oh good for you yeah oh this is the way canadians do it ben <laughs> now you procrastinating australians but uh 
when we were at the Comic-Con, you know, we, we had very little money. You know, typically they'll have a, a huge lineup of guests. And I don't even remember who was there that year, but uh, you know, they always get like some big names and then you'll get these, you know, stars of sci-fi shows. Like they'll have somebody from Smallville, somebody from uh, Star Wars, usually Star Trek, those guests. This might've been the year with Patrick Stewart. I don't know, but uh, Aaron Ashmore was there and we didn't have enough money. Typically you'd go up and you'd pay for an autograph. You'd pay to get your picture taken with them. And courtesy would be, you know what, don't bother these people if you're not going to buy something. <laughs> but the guests don't really care. I mean, you get the impression a lot of them don't care. So you sort of wait for the line to die down. So we waited for the line to die down. And Jamie and I went up there and said, you know, sorry, we, we don't have, you know, any money. We'd love to get an autograph or a picture. We just don't have any money. We're about to get married. He was like the coolest guy ever. It's like, oh, no, 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 absolutely. Like, I'm, I'm not here for the money or whatever. Um, well, I mean, he's probably there partly for the money, but it was a nice I'm thing to not say. Here for the money, <laughs> said no one ever appearing at yeah. Comic Con. I'm sorry, I don't believe you. Like, I, I want to go to Winnipeg <laughs> for Comic Con. Co- Comic Con are only paying like Patrick Stewart. The rest, they're there for the money. Okay, like oh, yeah. I'm looking at my annual, uh, you know, uh, convention list. All right, oh, there's San Diego Comic Con, sure, but Winnipeg Comic Con, that's where it's at. Yeah, that, that's where it's not about the money. It's about the people. People yeah. before profit. <laughs> <laughs> I'm here to please people getting married. That's, that's why Ryan Reynolds and Hugh Jackman didn't do anything for me, right? Because like I didn't just do, oh, I'm getting married, can't afford it, can I have an autograph? They would have come to my wedding then. Uh, no, I had to do the whole Twitter thing, yeah. Yeah, and they still haven't even liked one of your tweets. Like, well, come on, it's been how many years? 580-odd days in a row I sent them a tweet, <laughs> all right? I, I, you know, Ryan Reynolds seems to reply to some people. So somebody will pop up and be like, lol, just drank my first aviation gin, and oh, I'm going to reply. I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? They've got like two followers on Twitter, and that's their first tweet. You, follow, yeah. you like theirs. 580 days, Ryan. 580 <laughs> days. You know what? Aaron Ashmore, he's pure. He worked with William Phillips before he was a star. You got William <laughs> Phillips so filled your head with all this arrogant, you know, I'm a big man. I'm a big movie star. I starred in a Canadian heist film. <laughs> no way do I have Thompson, time for the little people. Auric Thompson replied to my first, Mini Driver replied to my first Mini ever Driver. tweet to her. Ricky Gervais <laughs> retweeted and liked two of my, two tweets I sent to Ricky Gervais <laughs> and I got a like and a retweet. And he's got like 80 million followers. I think he's got more than you, Ryan. Oh, but no, I'm got a gin and have a phone company. And yeah, I'm in you know Deadpool. what? Retweeted by Donovan Bailey on Off the Podium. That's uh, the the great, the real greatest Canadian, not you, Ryan Reynolds. I had Michael Bolton reply to a tweet of mine once. Michael <laughs> Kirsty Alley replied to a tweet of mine once. These are names that have replied to my tweets, Ryan Reynolds. I you have two what, former get... prime ministers of Australia following me on Twitter. So. <laughs> If That's we can true. get one person, <laughs> any of the people from Treed Murray, well, we will tweet all seven or eight people who made and were in Treed Murray. And if we get one retreat from them, you're dead to us, Ryan Reynolds. You, this you is your need, last chance, Reynolds. I need to ask you this right now. You said to me uh, that you did contact somebody from Treed Murray for an interview and they declined. Yes. Out of the seven people from Treed Murray, who is, was it the homeless it's, guy? <laughs> No, 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 it was it was Shark, the main gang leader, oh, Clay Bennett. That makes me sad. So uh, we talk. I'll get back to my Aaron Ashmore story in a second. But uh, sorry, uh, <laughs> we uh, we cover Total Drama Island on here, which is a, another great Canadian animated show, uh, very popular, kind of a parody of Survivor. And uh, Clay Bennett's one of the main voice actors on. It. He plays Chef, who's just the chef, but he kind of acts as like the co-host who gets abused by the host and everything. Uh, He's gone on to do a lot of things too. Uh, you know, he was an Arrow. I remember he played a villain on an episode of Arrow once. 
But uh, we're looking potentially to maybe do some interviews with Total Drama Island people. And he's one of the one we contacted. We contacted his management. And uh, they basically replied saying, uh, thank you for the request, but Clay is not interested in doing this interview. <laughs> it probably was nicer than that. <laughs> but uh, I did mention in the interview, I'm like, you know, we'd like to talk about Total Drama Island. Oh, no, I think they first they replied saying, what would this interview be for? And we said, well, we'd like to talk about Total Drama Island, but we're also looking at covering Treed Murray next year. And they said, oh, thank you, but Clay will not be doing this interview. <laughs> Does he have something against this? Clay Bennett, retweet us. Well, how about we try again, but don't mention Total Drama Island. Maybe he's against that. That's <laughs> the problem, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's what he's saying. Because <laughs> why would you not want to talk about this? I mean, was this his breakout role? I mean, I'm looking here that, I mean, he was in La Femme Nikita. Good for him. Um, <laughs> but in terms of, oh, he's in Urban Legend. Um, but Well, nothing. he's on The Man from High Castle now, which is a pretty big deal. So maybe he's got that Ryan Reynolds attitude. Well, he's, he's about to be in The Falcon and the Winter Soldier as well. So uh, Oh, he was on Heroes Reborn. He was in Highland for five that. episodes. Did not know yeah. that. Okay. Yeah, so, um, wow. Clay Bennett, come on. You have time for us, right? <laughs> maybe I'll send him a message as an Australian. Maybe he just hates Canadians. So. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or or, or I will guy. ask him if he wants to come on and talk about Raspberry Jazzberry Jam, in which he appeared in seven episodes <laughs> of. Maybe maybe he only does, like, I'm not doing any interviews until you talk to me about Raspberry Jazzberry Jam. But you know who did have time for me? Aaron Ashmore. So, <laughs> <laughs> Is he the one you well, stared down the chest at uh, for one of the photos? <laughs> well, we, well, we did the next year. Like, here's the thing. We talked to him. He talked to us for a couple of minutes. He was like super nice guy. He was asking us about ourselves, you know. Uh, it wasn't just, oh, ask me a question about Smallville. Come on, I'm a big man. <laughs> I was on Smallville. Uh, and we've met lots of people at the Comic-Cons over the years. Uh, you know, Lou Ferrigno is a big one. A couple of Star Wars actors, including David Prowse, who played Darth Vader. Margot Kidder, uh, half the cast of Smallville we've met. Uh, but Aaron Ashmore is, like, by far the coolest person that we ever met at a Comic-Con. And we weren't giving him any money. People before profit. Aaron Ashmore. That's the, on his the, business card. <laughs> the one the one Comic-Con I went to in terms of, like, a, a proper one, I've been to, like, the Hobart one. But, I mean, the biggest name they get there is me. So, you know, it's clearly not a, <laughs> <laughs> it's not a thing. And people don't know who I am. So that, that that's how it goes. But um, I was in Melbourne once and just happened to be Comic-Con on that weekend. I managed to get a media pass for it. And um, the big ones there were William Shatner. Uh, I think you had um, Holly Marie Combs and Shannon Doherty were there. Um, Tia Carrera. Um, uh, what's his name? Um, Ad- Admiral Akbar from Star Wars. Um, oh, yeah, I met him. Yeah. Um, but the one I was most excited for was Carrie Yules. Because I'm like, oh, my God, liar, liar, twister. Like, oh, he's my favorite. And I, and I haven't even seen The Princess Bride. I'm guessing that's what he's most known for. And Robin Hood, right? So these are two random movies I'm excited to see him in. And, like, the the organisers were kind of dicks. They were just like, oh, yeah, we can get you interviews. And it never happened. Um, so basically we went to, like, the floor where they were signing autographs and then, like, basically we were like, okay, well, we'll do some media, so I'll take some photos. We went to take a photo, like, security on you and, like, a rash. Like, I'm like, oh, dude, I'm media. Like, no, you can't take a photo. It's like, well, fuck, what am I meant to do? So... Basically, I'm standing in between William Shatner and Carrie Yules. I'm, like, basically a metre away from each of them. The line from William Shatner is, like, through the fucking, you know, the the building. And there's, like, four people in the line for Carrie Yules. I don't know what I said. I can't remember. I said something to him, and he kind of, like, laughed and replied back to me and then just went back to his (laughs) things. But clearly I needed to be like, I'm getting married, and I can't afford anything. Can I interview you? Um, (laughs) But, yeah, like, legitimately, that's who I'm... 
you, the line for like the charm girls was through the roof. Like everyone was there for everyone. And poor old Carrie Yules is like five people wanting to see him, and I'm the one. Oh, it's it's Jonas <laughs> from Twister. I swear he'd never gotten that. Like he'd probably get the random person liar liar like the claw. Nothing can stop the claw. And like sore right and everything. I'm the one person. It's like you're from Twister. Well, that's, that's the most Ben Waterworth thing ever because you worked how long for years to interview Kevin Bacon? You eventually interview him and you're basically told you can ask mostly questions about his music, one question about a movie. What Kevin Bacon movie do you ask Kevin Bacon about? So the air up there. Come on. Like, that is the best Kevin Bacon movie. You know, screw all the other ones. Like, the air up there. What a movie. Why have we done that on the, this show? Come on. <laughs> Uh, well, with Aaron Ashmore, we like the guy so much that the next year, he, he did a rare thing. He actually came back two years in a row to the Winnipeg Comic Con. So. money. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Nobody paid nice last year. year. All they, these no freebies. <laughs> <laughs> I'm getting married. But, uh, okay, autograph. Oh, I've got cancer. Okay, autograph. Next year. No, I don't care if you've got cancer or getting married. You must pay me. Well, we, we did pay the second year. Uh, we, we got our picture with him. I actually have it right here. I'll show you. The listeners can't see this, but... Uh, Aww. We were supposed to get the, now. The other one is Laura Vanderbilt, who plays Supergirl. Supergirl, right? Yeah. Yeah. So we actually paid to get two separate pictures, one with him and one with her. Man, the light's terrible on there, but you can see tall guy. You Aaron didn't look Ashmore. down either of their shirts. No, <laughs> you can see how uncomfortable I am. Though, as Laura Vanderbilt's got her arm around me, uh, I'm not uncomfortable. <laughs> oh God! Not- somebody really attractive with their arm around me. <laughs> <laughs> what do I do? <laughs> <laughs> I'm like slowly leaning. Jamie mentioned afterwards, like you're like leaning away from her. I'm like, I, I, I see. I don't see, know. you <laughs> would you, the, the most awkward one I ever went to. We we have a sort of the Comic Con of sex in Australia. It's called Sexpo, uh, and it's basically just like a three day convention for all things to do with like sex and education. And and basically, you get porn stars going there. Like you don't you think it's going to be confronting, but even me, who's a little bit more open than you, Colin. Even I like walk in and there's like a giant like vagina on the wall. Okay, fair enough. And <laughs> so like I'm doing media for this, like I'm interviewing porn stars, I'm interviewing all this sort of people. But like there's this photo of me. So I interview like these three women. I don't, I don't know what they're like. Okay, you know you dress all sexual and all this sort of stuff. Five seconds later, they're on stage naked, basically. <laughs> spreading things and doing things i'm like okay but they like are very friendly they put your arms around you when you're interviewing all that sort of stuff i then had to go and interview there was like jamie would have loved these guys they were like the naked (laughs) butlers they were just like these young guys who basically wear a loin cloth or a cock sock or whatever and they're like you know buff shirtless and all that stuff they're also very friendly so they're there like hugging me and there's this photo of me like with a microphone going like um what do i do here See, I get an attractive woman putting her arm around me and I tense up like that. <laughs> I get men and women. Uh, women, yeah. I'm fine. <laughs> men, <laughs> clearly I'm just a big homophobe. And out came Aaron Ashmore. <laughs> Let me in the picture, guys. <laughs> I need the money. I'm at Sexpo in Hobart. <laughs> just sees it on Anyways, his <laughs> Long story short, I did talk to Aaron Ashmore about Treed Murray that time. So, uh, What did he say uh, about Treed Murray? Uh, well, well, when I mentioned it, I told him, like, you know, there's a movie that you were in, like, a long time ago that I absolutely love, Treed Murray. And he's like, wow. Well, yeah, that was a long time ago. And he <laughs> he all of a sudden starts explaining. It's like, yeah, you know, I think that was one of my first movies. And the one thing I remember that he mentioned about it was um, that uh, the girl who plays uh, Kelly, the one on screen female character in this movie, he says that still to this day, she's one of his best friends. So, wow. you know. 
uh, you know, they have a nice brotherly sisterly thing going on, not which dating. Is, which is, <laughs> you might be able to get him on the show because I, I, you, it's, it's interesting you mentioned that before about um, Clay Bennett because a lot of the time with these people when it comes to their, their film roles, right, like, you know, you're going to get Aaron Ashmore on. He's going, okay, let's talk about Smallville. Let's talk about this. Let's talk about that. Or like, hey, let's get you on to talk about X-Men. Wrong guy, mate. Um, but but like when you kind of go with the, Hey, let's talk about this one. Like it's kind of like when we got Kim Raver here on the Oz network, you know, people are going to probably want to talk to about Grey's Anatomy or things like that. Like I think the hook they got her on was to talk about third watch and because nobody talks about third watch. So who knows if we get Aaron Ashmore on to go with the hook, like fuck Smallville. We're going to talk about Treed Murray and then put in a Smallville question at the end. Uh, we can pretty much jump into the movie here now. Uh, I've gotten uh, the only trivia we know about Treed Murray comes from what Aaron Ashmore told me seven years ago. <laughs> so there's our trivia on Treed Murray. Uh, I was going to say, did he not drop an extra thing? Like the tree was played by the same tree that appeared in. <laughs> I don't know. We should just make up trivia and just be like. Aaron Ashmore and the tree are still very good friends to this day. <laughs> the tree was very difficult in filming. It demanded, uh, you know, extra hours, a bigger trailer. <laughs> The drugs that are featured in the film were actually found in the tree's trailer. <laughs> <laughs> Ryan Reynolds was first approached for this <laughs> um, I, I don't even know how quickly this is going to go because this, there's so much that happens in this movie. is so fast. There's, it, it's pretty deep for a movie that's on the surface almost in real time, but uh, let's just go with it. Movie opens with Murray, our businessman, in the park, and there's just a couple of short scenes, and it's not so much where it's hammering in the point Oh, you know, he's he's a total jerk. But you get him where there's like a little bit of a awkward altercation in the park and he just sort of, oh, let me go this way. You know, obviously explaining how he's going to get uh, lost in there a little bit. You have the homeless guy asking for money. Uh, he says, no, no, thanks. And the, the homeless guy basically is something like, you know, what goes around, comes around or something along those lines, uh, which is going to come up later. Uh, and um, the then we're going to have the one guy. Now, I don't even remember who it was. Who's the first one he encounters in the park? Of the uh, game? I think it's Carter, isn't it? Because he's it he's doing the dance with him, basically. Yeah. Because yeah. Carter's then got so, that thing on his chin for the whole movie. So, yeah. Yeah. And it, uh, the, Murray here is going to call him David Hewlett. But let's call him David Hewlett. What a man. We always uh, do this in our, our episodes. <laughs> so Ryan Reynolds uh, comes out. <laughs> It's the only the title of the movie, Treed Murray. Let's call him Treed. Treed's yeah. first, first name Treed, last name Murray. What, wasn't this what happened on the book of Henry? You're like, what's the main character's name? Uh, Henry? <laughs> Henry. Let's call, let's call it Treed uh, Henry. Okay. Yeah, Treed so Henry, Henry. here. <laughs> uh, Murray, Murray. So Murray is uh, basically saying, oh, how do I get out of here? Can you point me the way out? Uh, and uh, if it is Carter here uh, that he's talking to, he says, oh, give me five bucks. And he says, I'm not going to pay you five bucks for pointing. <laughs> Just tell me which way. Uh, this all ends up in him being chased. Uh, he ends up climbing up a tree to escape from this gang of six. Uh, I think it's six of them who are uh, about to, or guests attack him, rob him, something like that. Uh, he runs up a tree. And Treed Murray. The end. Treed Murray. But uh, as he's climbing up, you know, little close-up shot to explain why it's not easier for them to get him. Uh, the one foothold he has, which is like a tiny broken branch, snaps off as he's climbing up the tree. Uh, Going to, I guess, set up why it might be harder to get up and down the tree, even though people do get up and down the tree from this point. Uh, anyways, he in the process of this, he drops his briefcase. So uh, the, the gang, they have the briefcase there. Uh, they're all laughing at him hiding up a tree, which is funny. And they say, throw it on your wallet. So he goes along with it. He throws it on the wallet. 
throw down your watch. He throws down the watch. Then all of a sudden you get Kelly, the girl here. It's like, how about your pants? Throw those down. <laughs> pants do not come off though. Uh, anyways, they're basically saying, we want you to apologize. Uh, say, okay, fine. I'm sorry. I said, no, no, come down here and apologize. Uh, so it's, it's just a very awkward confrontation here at this point. Like, and I think anybody in the audience is going to, this movie is a lot about the class system. You know, there, there is, I guess that's sort of the point of the movie, but almost anybody's going to be sympathizing with Murray at this point, because we haven't seen him do anything wrong. This isn't one of these guys where, you know, he's like spouting off racial slurs to them or something like that at this point. I mean, it's going to evolve into him getting a little bit aggressive and cruel, but uh, you do feel for him at this point. Uh, but eventually what it comes down to is he's saying, you know what? I'm, I'm not coming down. And it's like, uh, if you had a gun, you would have used it by now. So uh, the main leader shark who Clay Bennett, an amazing actor. Like I'm a, I'm shocked more than anything. This movie got several nominations at the genie awards, no nomination for David Hewlett, no nomination, for Clay Bennett, Clay Bennett, young guy. I'm guessing when this comes out, maybe, you know, early twenties at the most, he gives like an a Oscar worthy performance in this movie. Like his performance is extraordinary. I mean, everybody gets their time to shine in this, even the homeless guy, but Was there uh, a campaign Clay- genie. So white in 2001, <laughs> Because come on, clearly. <laughs> Maybe there was. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but no, I, I lo- I've always loved Clay Bennett in this movie. And um, uh, he, he gives, uh, I guess, the first unexpected comment in this movie where uh, he's implying, it's like, what would I use a gun for? It's like, using a gun is like making your baby sister cry uncle. <laughs> and it's just, a, it's a small line. It's a clever line, but it, it makes you realize, okay, these characters are not exactly what you expect. So the whole point of this movie is that they go in with an assumption about Murray. Murray goes in with assumptions about them and they both end up kind of being wrong throughout this. So even just the fact that he's like, I don't want to use a gun. <laughs> and they never actually say, come down here and we're going to kill you. Mm. You get the impression that's what they're doing. They just say, I want you to come down and apologize. And you do have to kind of wonder as this movie progresses, if Murray had just done that, come down and apologize, is it possible they would have let him go? No. You don't know. <laughs> Some of them might have. <laughs> Maybe I'm uh, just jumping know. to assumptions. Maybe I'm yeah, being ben, judgmental. You yeah, clearly. Sorry. <laughs> uh, they do have chains, so now they're going to try to bring him down. They start trying to whip him with the chains, start throwing rocks. We get a bit of a rock fight that's going on here. Uh, and uh, uh, at one point, they give up. And uh, I think it's uh, Kelly here who, when they're saying like, no, no, he's got to come down here. You know, we're going to make him pay. She goes, uh, do you remember we're the ones trying to jack him? And Murray <laughs> just goes, uh, yeah. And I love <laughs> David Hewlett because you think he's this timid businessman, but he's so mouthy. Yeah. And this is where I think I'm not going to say you completely get on the side of the gang at this point, but he's egging them on at this point. You know, he he's, he's being way too bold and, there are going to be things that come up where Murray's asking for what's going to come later on. Uh, but I, I just love the way David Hewlett plays this attitude here. And uh, uh, we, we get a little bit of debate going back and forth uh, about uh, whether they want to stay or whether they want to go. Uh, there's the first mention of the Ravens, which you see a little logo. They say, oh, but this is Ravens turf. And we don't really know what Ravens is. That's sort of slowly revealed through the movie. But They're a football you get team from Baltimore. That's exactly what it is. This is this yep. is where they're relocating. Was, wasn't that movie <laughs> with Sandra Bullock? Didn't that kid go on to play for them and win a Super Bowl? The Blind Side. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. See, he's that's Carter. That's what yeah. Carter grows up to be. Yep. Sandra Bullock <laughs> meet, meet him outside the park after this movie. Hi, I'm Sandra yeah. Bullock. 
<laughs> See, w- when a white person stabs you, you just got to find a nicer white person and blonder. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the, the white savior complex, right? Like clearly, yeah. you know, Mr. Murray wasn't white and savior enough. So Sandra Bullock <laughs> to the rescue. She also was uh, in that movie with the- Ryan Reynolds. Everyone's in Ryan Reynolds' connections here right now, right? Yeah, and Ryan Reynolds still won't even like one of Ben's tweets. God, but you like Sandra Bullock's tweet, Ryan. <laughs> what if out of nowhere, Ryan Reynolds just liked the most meaningless tweet you had? Like, had toast for breakfast. Like, <laughs> you going to tweet it right now? <laughs> do, you, do you want me to, like, what, tag at Ryan Reynolds? Had toast for yeah, breakfast. had toast for breakfast. Let's just make that a thing. Every once in a while, drop a random tweet to Ryan Reynolds. Okay, all right. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm, I'm down for a challenge. I think. Hang on a second. If he likes it by the end of this episode, then we've won. Okay. So, um, uh, had toast. But I'm on keto. People <laughs> won't believe this, Colin. I'm lying. Keto. Okay. Okay. What would keto? What would be a keto breakfast? Sausage? Had cheese? Sausage for breakfast. <laughs> <laughs> At Van City Reynolds. Um, oh, and Hugh Jackman. <laughs> Double our chances. <laughs> I don't think I've ever seen Hugh Jackman ever like a tweet, though, from anyone. Whereas Ryan say, Reynolds I'm, does. Like, that's the annoying thing, right? It's like if neither of them ever liked or replied, okay, fine. <laughs> but, like, Ryan Reynolds always replies to people. Ryan Reynolds doesn't have a life. He just looks on Twitter for ways to ignore Ben. Mark Hamill wished me a happy birthday. First attempt, yeah. happy birthday. <laughs> Yet, Brian, 580 days. <laughs> 580 freaking wasted minutes of my life. You know what? For your next wedding, we're going to work on a campaign of Aaron Ashmore and Clay Bennett. That's what we're going to do. Done. I, yeah, next, next wedding, I'm going to work a little bit lower. All right. Um, Amanda Pete. <laughs> sure. Oh, come on. Wait, you're, you're going to aim for to be married to her or just get her to officiate? Oh, I'm not that sick. Um, I, you said you're working lower. But <laughs> I'm going, you going to go bottom. Like, you know, from top Ryan Reynolds to bottom Amanda Pete, right? So, you know, I can go that way. That's who, why the- who was that? <clears throat> Fuck knuckle guy last week on uh, the show for um, Crocodile Dundee, oh, the, the, the reviewer guy. The guy who called everything in Crocodile Dundee out as being offensive. L- Luke Fuck Knuckle. Um, probably getting yeah. him. What if you just tweet him, had sausage for breakfast? <laughs> He'd review it and say it was racist. <laughs> was that a brown sausage? That's racist. Uh, anyways, uh, one of my favorite, even as an audience, you go in with an assumption. These young teenage kids, they're just punks like Murray just keeps calling them. But they do one of the smartest things in this entire Murray. Murray's calling for help as the park is closing. We see a guard on his bike hearing Murray calling help, help, help. The guard comes. And what do they do? They start going, give me an M. M, (laughs) give me a U. U, give me an R. R, give me another R. He's the worst cop. Can I just say that, right? Like, I'm sorry. This is a cop who's on his bike and he's seeing like a bunch of delinquent teenagers shouting at the top of their lungs. And he's just like, oh, kids. Like, is this a Canadian thing? Like, if this is an America, those kids would, half of them would be dead. Like, what if his name is Murray and that's why he's so nice about it? Yeah. Oh, people like my name. Oh, you kids. Shucks. Back to the wife and kids. That's the best thing about it is that when they go through the whole, what's that spell? Murray. And Murray himself is trying to yell, no, no, help me, help me. I'm in a tree. Uh, this guy's like, yeah, go Murray. 
<laughs> the cops joining in. I, 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 I actually no. I'll save that for my turn. You keep going. I've got a okay. one thing about uh, this. Scene. I'll, I'll just get. I'll get to when the sun goes down here. So, um, the, uh, the, the, the. I love Murray has a line here. He refers to them uh, as you're, you're uh, a squad of self-directed urban park rangers. <laughs> or I think no, that's uh, that's um, uh, Shark who gives that. Yeah, no, he says yeah, we that. Get he fact- calls him a gang, and then he's like, no, yeah, exactly. Self- I'm yeah. not a gang. <laughs> Uh, they do uh, open his briefcase. The one kid, uh, Casey, he uh, manages to identify the briefcase and get it open. It just um, reminded me of Dumb and Dumber. I just wanted to be like, oh, well, Samsonite, I was way off. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, they're going to start going through it. Now, uh, Murray refers to them here as Nazis at this point uh, and says, oh, your, your grandpa must be so proud. <laughs> uh, like, again, he's egging them on. This is not the way to get out of this, you know. I, I don't, I don't. I, but Murray has moments later on where he does something incredibly intelligent too in this situation. So they open the case. They get all these memos, I guess, uh, these ads that he's writing. Obviously, he's an ad executive. It's stuff like deodorant or you know, tampons. Who knows? I can't even remember what they were. Uh, <laughs> They're different things, but, Colin. You know that, right? But yes, <laughs> really. <laughs> <laughs> Only one of them you put up in something they're, they're both hygiene products right yes uh, yes hygienic one product. makes you smell good the other stops. <laughs> let's not go any further <laughs> jamie come on let's discuss one of them uh and again just playing on the whole hypocrite class thing shark when he's reading this says you know you call me manipulative Okay, that's actually fair. <laughs> he's he's selling advertising. That's that's a little bit manipulative. Which again, I, I do uh, love like we've got this trend recently, don't we? Of kind of like, and again, not trying to say these are uneducated teenagers, but like, you know, do they really know the ins and outs of advertising? Like, man, you manipulate people. Like, is this something really to make fun of someone for? Like, if he was, I don't know, yeah. uh, uh, I don't know, it's, what's a silly profession? Podcast host. If he was a podcast host, <laughs> make fun of him. Right? It's a dumb profession. No one should get into it. But like. Advertising executive, is this something that like street kids really oh dude, you're you're an ad executive, yeah. loser. <laughs> I I don't buy anything that has a commercial. Yeah. That's my policy. Yeah. Oh, just he's running for president, dog. <laughs> <laughs> It'll make sense soon enough, people. <laughs> <Just keep it. laughs> uh but the other stuff they find in this briefcase, they find something about family dysfunction. It's like a counseling pamphlet. Uh, they find a picture of his wife, which they refer to her as being fat. He goes, she's not fat, you idiot. She's pregnant. <laughs> and I love this. Really? Who's the dad? <laughs> uh, it's all very real, just the way that they're insulting each other. Uh, and then uh, Kelly finds a bottle in there, uh, which uh, Aaron Ashmore, who does not speak for the first half of this movie, tries to take away from her. She goes, it's just aspirin. So you get that he's protective. You assume he's her, her boyfriend. He's not. Uh, when they open up, they realize there's something else inside there. Now, I don't know what it's supposed to be. I'm not big on drug paraphernalia. Ben, what's your best guess as the resident uh, uh, <laughs> drug addict? From oh, my years work? of experience, Colin, I believe that is type <laughs> 7 cocaine. Uh, best okay. had with pasta and cheese. <laughs> and the next thing they find is briefcase, pasta and cheese. Um. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, th- this gives them a whole new ammunition again to just uh, go at him for it's like, oh, I guess you're not so perfect or whatever. And this will come up where they're talking about, you know, uh, so you're a liar. And does your wife know about this? He doesn't say anything. They find his cell phone. The cell phone rings. 
um, when <laughs> when you're trapping a man up a tree and you want to make sure he doesn't get help, what do you do? You pretend to be his mistress. So again, I love that the teenagers here, they're very smart. They're doing things where it's like, there is no way out of this. You're not going to be helped. Uh, so he's yelling in the background, don't listen to her, call the police, call the police. What? Oh no, so he's in the shower now. You're, you're his wife? <laughs> he didn't tell me he was married. <laughs> Uh, I just love all the kids. They have so much character and we're like 20 minutes into the movie here. So uh, when this ends, she hangs up the phone and she's got this great line. She says, judging by the sound of her voice, I don't think this is the first time that he stepped out on her. Uh, he spits on her. And uh, the last thing that he really does here before the sun goes down is uh, Murray's going to try to give them a real heartfelt apology. So now he actually is being manipulated. He's like, I'm really sorry. I didn't mean to disrespect you. Let's just end this thing now. Uh, and Shark has the best responses. You mean we win? Yay! Mm -hmm. And then he has the, the way he delivers lines. For it. I want you to remember something, Murray. I am in charge here. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the captain now. That's where that yeah, line I'm came from, from Captain Phillip. <laughs> yeah. It came from Treed Murray. <laughs> uh, and then Murray gives a little bit of a freak out here. He goes, people like me win. Uh, they're going to climb up the tree. Uh, you know what? I'm, I'm going to stop here before we get to the, the major action sequence of the movie. I, I love the opening of this movie where it's basically this music. It sounds like a porn theme. It's like, doo -doo -choo -choo. come on, what you gonna do? Doo -doo -doo -boo 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 -doo. <laughs> and it's like, what am I watching? Um... <laughs> And I gotta say, Murray doesn't like the park. Um, you know, and I'm just I'm looking at the scene here. There's like a scene when it really looks like the other side of the park is just there. So like I don't know if maybe he needs to go somewhere. Like, does he not does he walk in this park every day? Like, is this kind of a new route for him or something like that? Um you mentioned that he kind of gets spooked by a bit of an altercation, so decides to go for a different way. Like, would you not? I would. Like if I'm in the park <laughs> yeah. and I see like a fight going on, I'm not going that way. Like i I d I didn't picture him as being anything wrong with him until you know he's up the tree so like mm -hmm. i think kind of like i'm you know connect, like yeah if i'm in the park and there's a couple of idiots fighting i'm straight away gonna like walk away and like even the guy the homeless guy who kind of like asked for money and he's just kind of like no man no like that's kind of what i do to homeless people like <laughs> he's a thousand dollars i'm poor so you can <laughs> not be um no no disrespect to the homeless, but if you're homeless, you're clearly not listening to this episode, so whatever. Um, but <laughs> the, Ben, the you whole... say that. He's unemployed. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be homeless in like six months. You'll be my friend soon. It's all good. Um, but, like, I just think everything at this moment when he's kind of, like, vulnerable and, like, you know, he's talking to this kid and he's talking to Carter and, like, I feel you, you sort of really do connect with him very early on, right? Because he's just a businessman trying to get to work. He's going to the business office to do... <laughs> the business office. <laughs> business office things um but even like i mean i don't know about you if you've ever had a situation where you've kind of been confronted by people like i i'm mm -hmm. i'm a wimp right i'm i i can tell you 101 stories about me being just absolute chicken shit wimp and i've had a couple of occasions in my childhood where i've been approached by people in a situation and been threatened and it's not a fun experience and again mm -hmm. i'm the wimpiest of wimps so homeless people if you happen to i don't know steal an ipod and listen to a podcast and here i am like you could track me down on the streets and fucking threaten me with an ipod and i'll do what you want like i'm a wimp i'm an absolute wimp so i'm murray in this situation although i'm probably not running because if i'm running i'm going to get caught pretty simple uh, and i'm also not climbing a tree because <laughs> You know, I barely can climb into my bed, let alone a tree. 
Um, but at the same time, uh, you know, I, I, I don't want to get bashed either. So, you know, um, so there's a couple of things that kind of like annoyed me. It's like, into, not like because of the movie, but just like was of Murray's actions. When he's in the train, he gives his wallet and watch. I'm like, dude, why? <laughs> like, why would you do that? Like, you know, you, in two seconds, you're going to be kicking these guys out of the tree and like, you know, being all tough. Like, I get it. Maybe he's just, you know, trying to cave in and thinks it's going to be over in two seconds. But I don't know. You like, this is where he's got to pull like an Obi Wan. Like, it's over, Shark. I've got the high ground. Like, that's all he's got. <laughs> you underestimate my power. <laughs> don't try it. <laughs> ah! <laughs> you are the chosen one. You are my brother, Shark. I thank you. <laughs> Oh, come on, turn this into some again. Treat Murray, inspiration for. Give my uh, son my briefcase when he becomes old enough. <laughs> <laughs> what happened to Padme? <laughs> um, but yeah, like from there's just little moments here. Like you talk about how good the acting is in this movie. Like to see the awards it's got nominated for at the Genies, and none of them were acting. Like mm-hmm. really? Like I mean. I know nothing about the genies, but I mean, looking here, who was up for actor in a leading role? Brendan Fletcher. Come on. <laughs> Law of Enclosures. Overrated. Zachary Bennett. I mean, come on. Zinedine Solar. Uh, oh, you, you can't argue the next one, though. Oh, yeah, Peter Average. Okay, fair enough. Uh, yeah. Chris Owens. <laughs> uh, he was in The X Files. Um, and <laughs> David LaHaye. Is, do the genies just only care about French films? Because I swear every single one of these looks Quebecois. Mm. Uh, that, that's that's not too far off. But uh. okay, well there you go. <laughs> but and, and, and actress in a leading role, Elise Guillebault in The Woman Who Drinks. That one overrated. <laughs> <laughs> just I mean I don't know how that none of these actors were nominated for anything. Can I just quickly point out? Um, I don't really listen to podcasts in general. I don't listen Not even to, our own. Not even our own because I, and particularly when I'm not on it, I only listen to it when I'm on them. So I've never listened to anything that you've done with Rocky or anything like that. Um, but I, I'm assuming that you knew that uh, Jessica Greco was in a movie that you and Rocky covered last year. What? Which one? She was in Twitches. Oh, was she? Yeah. When I Google her here, she was in Twitches. So I I just found because funny I I was just looking up the guy that plays Carter is also on Total Drama. Oh look at this, everyone! You don't even realize this. So <laughs> there you go. Jessica Greco was Lucinda in Twitches. She also after Treed Murray, her first role was uh, the recruit with Colin Farrell, where she played hot girl at Blue Ridge. <laughs> Made for the role, uh, not the hot girl thing, the Blue Ridge <laughs> bit. Like I look at her and I think, fuck, she should be on a Blue Ridge. Like straight away, <laughs> that should be her. Um, yeah, no, she, she's really good. Like, I mean, one female in this movie, but she stands out and not just cause she's yeah. a female. Like she's, she's actually really, there's, I don't think there's a bad actor in this movie. You know, even the cop, the way he adjusts his crotch, you really believe he needs to adjust <laughs> his crotch. Like you, you genuinely believe that go he has crotch. to do it. Yeah. Go crotch. Um, there's, there's two nitpicks I have about the story of this movie though, is here when the cop shows up. And, you know, it's, it's it's very intelligent by, like, the, the kids to, you know, give me an M, give me that. Why doesn't Murray just jump down at this point? Because either <laughs> the kids are going to bash him and the cop's going to see it, 
Or the cops gonna be like, oh, are you okay? Like, and just pretend you're hurt. Because what are the kids gonna do? Like, oh, that's just our uncle playing a tree. Like, I think looks like you're gonna judge this as like, why are a bunch of like kids hanging out with like, like clearly Mario's a pedo. Like he's hanging out with the kids. I don't know. So there's that. And second one, why don't these kids just burn the tree? Like set it on fire. (laughs) He has to come down then. Like, yeah, no, that's a good point. They go out of the way to get a gun. Like, I feel just getting a lighter, lighting this tree on fire, a little bit easier. Um, I, did, I didn't want See, to nitpick this movie because I enjoyed it so much, but, like, there are two bits where I'm like, kind of plot holes there. But you know. I was, I was going to say, for not climbing down the tree, the first thought that came to my mind is this is, a, uh, this is a park guard on a bike. I don't see any weapons on him. Isn't if Murray cop, jumps out is of a, a Is there a thing as well, a park guard? I don't know. Park police? I don't know. <laughs> He's on a bike. Come what on. Is this like Paul Blart Mall Cop? Is this like Jimmy yeah. Smith Park Ranger or something? And like it's that? and he's Canadian too. So you know he doesn't want this altercation. Oh, it's okay, Murray. Just say you're sorry. I'm going to leave now. Okay, okay. Thanks, do, bye. Do you need park police in Canada? Like, is this a central <laughs> park? I can imagine they've got their own park police. But like suburban park in Toronto, like clearly the Ravens are going around. So maybe they do. Well, yeah. You know? Yeah, and there's decapitated heads in this movie. So, I mean, if I'm, if I'm bike policeman here, if I see Murray jump out of the tree and I see this gang, I'm just going to like, you're on your own, Murray. Well, you talk about sequels. I, I want the treed Murray, treed Murray cinematic universe. I want to see the movie on this park <laughs> cop, you know, just going to work each day, dressing in his little blue uniform and uh, everything. All right. Those you're on the east side trees. You're on the west side <laughs> trees. I want your eyes open, people. <laughs> Why, why is there a reason why Mr. Ashmore doesn't speak for like the first half of this movie? I don't know, but I think it's a cool thing with his character because when he does sort of explode later on, like it's the one time that you're going to be, uh, I'm not going to say afraid for shark, but it's, it's the one person where you're like, you know what? He's, he's not going to listen to everything shark does. So it, it has an impact from not talking, but there's really no reason. He's, He's the one that I kind of thought was going to be like the main antagonist because isn't doesn't Panic Room? There's three of them. You've got uh, isn't it Forrest? Is it Forrest Whitaker, uh, Jared Leto, and isn't there the third one who doesn't speak in Panic Room who turns out to kind of be the? Oh, the real... I haven't seen it in a long time. I'm pretty sure. Like I, I know there's a movie I'm thinking of where like the silent one ends up being like the most evil, and I'm pretty sure that's Panic Room. Um, so like I was kind of thinking this on the long the lines of that's what it's going to be, and I will say actually I know I'm jumping way ahead here, but the twist that their brother and sister I didn't see that coming. I like that yeah. twist. Then all of a sudden it's kind of one of those moments like wait, did they kiss in this movie? Uh, is there something <laughs> yeah. wrong? Well, I got to go back. I yeah. swear that they were feeling each other up earlier. <laughs> um, but yeah, like just kind of the, the wife scene, like things that this movie does well is like you kind of cringe, not like cringe as in like, oh, like that's awkward to watch, but like... Cause I not think, like Dead Ringers cringe. Yeah, but, but like, like kind of early on because I think you're kind of on Murray's side, right? And you kind of all of a sudden you're like, oh my God, like if that was me and somebody rang Mallory, like fuck, what would I do? Like, mm-hmm. like you, and you, cause you do kind of feel like, you know, that, and this is still at that point where you're really on Murray's side. It's not really until they kind of imply that he's cheated and he kind of says, okay, I have, where you're kind of like, oh, okay. You know, a little bit of something there. like, And that's what this movie does so well. They play into this bit where there are definitely parts of this movie where you're Team Shark. You're like, yeah, fuck Murray. Mm-hmm. But then there are other parts where you're like, yeah, fuck Shark, go Murray. You know, like it's, yeah. you could have had the 2001, you know, instead of Team Edward and Team Jacob, you could have had, you know, Team Murray, Team Shark. You know, they <laughs> sure they would have sold two copies. T-shirt, there you go, Colin. You can put them in the, the Teespring <laughs> store. <laughs> Team Murray and Team Shark. <laughs> how, how many have we sold? 
Uh, <laughs> I, we've sold one of every item, but we're selling a lot of like pins and magnets. Good to see we, we're making more money for Double on Seven and Patreon. Comes yeah. I, I want to. Ryan Reynolds wouldn't like this shirt or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> I'll buy that one and I'll wear it. Um, but I mean, that's again what this does so well. And there's just little moments like kind of just random little shots in this, like where they'll just, you've got so much of just dialogue and talking in a tree and on the ground. Then all of a sudden you'll just get a shot of a dog in a park and a shot of the skyline and it kind of cuts back. And it's just, it's just so well done. And it's just so moves so quickly. You just, you, you hook to everything. And yeah, I mean, it's kind of, it's, it's from this moment on where I think Murray starts to take a downward spiral. Like it's not the advertising mm-hmm. thing. It's like, Oh, he cheated on his wife. Bastard. Um, yeah. although I don't like it kind of, I like it when they're reading this like self-help, you know, bit, but it's kind of like, again, I get it. Like make fun of him, you know, kind of tease him a little bit, but at the same time, it's sort of like, you know, uh, cause doesn't, doesn't Carter put it in his pocket for the sole purpose of he clearly wants yeah. help. Like that's kind of mm-hmm. what it is. So, um, yeah. And the drug, the drug bit's a bit odd. Like it's kind of, I feel one thing I will say, like with the fact of oh, let's make Murray a bad guy. Like, okay. So he cheats and he does drugs. Like, I, I feel like, I don't know, make it a bit more than that. I don't know. Like it's kind of something about that where it's just like, okay, so well, what? I mean, I'm saying cheat on your wife and do drugs, but it's kind of like, that's the evilest thing he can do. Like make him do something a bit more than that. But I think that's what makes this movie so good is that, that as far as the drugs, it just sort of goes for the explanation as what he's doing in the park. Because I think one of them has a throwaway comment. They don't confirm it. One of them has a throwaway comment. Oh, is that what you're doing in the park, you know, this late at night? You're shopping? Uh, but I, I think if they just made it where it's like, oh, and you also killed somebody when you were 21. And uh, you, you look at this, member of the Communist Party. <laughs> Voted for it Donald would've... Trump. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Listen to the Oz <laughs> Network. Owns a copy of Kill Phil. <laughs> like Survivor Oz Worlds Apart preview episode. <laughs> Friends with Noah Groves. <laughs> <laughs> Went on a date with Noah. What? Amanda Pete fan club. <laughs> Nude pictures of Amanda Pete. <laughs> like the, the last be- Jedi. Oh. <laughs> Those are all the things that would make Murray a complete scumbag. But they simply use that so that the 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 gang, the kids here, the self-directed uh, park rangers, let's call them, <laughs> so that they have a little bit of ammunition against them. But it's everything that just reveals about his character as the movie progresses. Uh, and I think that's what we're really going to get into here when things start to get really nasty and really brutal, uh, just just in throwing the, the conversation back and forth. Because you can still look at this and say, you know what, anybody in this situation is going to kind of slip into their worst version of themselves. And there's tons of movies out there like this. Uh, But in the case of these kids, they almost become better as the movie progresses, (laughs) whereas Murray becomes worse of a person. And I I just feel like they throw that in there so that they have something to continue to egg them on with. And you can start to accept that when he gets really nasty later on to them, that there's a reason why. Yeah, no, I see that. And the one thing too I also like is um, kind of the connection with the kids is that you can kind of understand why they're, they're hanging on and not letting him go down. Like I'm the type of person mm-hmm. that doesn't like to give up on things and, well, except for a couple of engagements. But um, <laughs> Another episode. Um, but 
you know, like if, if I'm in a situation like this, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm not going to just give up, like kind of particularly as you're getting egged on a little bit more and everything along those lines. And it's sort of the one thing which I found interesting, it's sort of this implication that they're going to kill him. And I don't know if I ever believe at all that they will ever kill no. him. Like it's kind of, I don't feel like these are the type of kids who would do that because particularly sort of how it ends and everything along those lines. So... Yeah, it makes it interesting. You kind of almost believe more that Murray's the one capable of killing, right? Particularly when he's yeah. like about to choke Carter and has the the knife against his throat and everything along those lines. So, yeah, it is definitely very interesting, kind of how the roles reverse in this film. And again, what makes this movie so good is that you know where are the besides that one article that I couldn't get through? Like, where are the long winded analysis of of this movie and its you know comments on society and things like that? Like you, you mentioned before about sort of class divide. I mean, what have we seen in the last twelve months win Best Picture at the Oscars? Parasite, yeah. a, a movie that kind of relies on that, and and that was a movie that you know I I didn't enjoy clearly as much as you and Noah did, but you know very similar plot line to this in many aspects, mm-hmm. and yeah. Again, maybe I'm just racist. I just don't like Koreans. Um, <laughs> I would say I, I, I honestly believe this is a better movie than Parasite. Yeah, I mean, th- to me, this is it, it's probably the closest we'll get to a Canadian Parasite. It's interesting that you mentioned that. Um, and it's, it's sort of unlike Canadian movies, too, because I, I feel like Canadian movies, American movies, I should say, are very let's hammer all these you know, uh, social, political uh, opinions down your throat, whether it's coming from the left, the right, the center, underneath, above, whatever. It's very heavy-handed. Whereas Canadian movies, it's always very subtle. But I struggle to think about any Canadian movie that really goes out of the way to tack on a message. They're just, they're stories that are intelligent. Most Canadian movies are probably more intelligent and more complex than American movies, but they don't go out of the way for messages. And I think the reason this works is because of the subtlety you're left just sort of asking questions and there is no good or bad in this. They don't want you to judge Murray for him kind of reverting to the worst version of himself. Just like they don't want you to judge the kids because they never say any, like you said, I don't even believe that they were going to kill him. I think they, they may have hit him. You know, they may have taken his stuff, but there's no violence in any of these characters except for one guy. There's another guy, you know, shark is obviously very aggressive. He's a ringleader, but he's a coward too. And um, when it comes to Carter, you see, well, we'll get, we'll get, I'll save that for later on, but we're, we're going to see why none of these characters really actually have that violence in them. Uh, maybe minor violence, but I completely, I never even thought about it before that if this movie were to have taken a different turn, I think Murray could potentially have killed somebody. And you could have almost seen it from his point of view, because from his point of view, he hasn't been given any reason to believe they're not going to kill him. Yeah. If they just simply say, we're not going to kill you. We're just going to smack you around a bit and then let you go. Uh, so if that if it ended that way, it would have been a very sad ending. But you would have been like, in that situation, you know, I might have thought I was in fear for my life. Which, again, jumping ahead here, it's a very open-ended ending. But you, you kind of, you do think about like, okay, if this goes to court, like, you know, who's mm-hmm. going to who's going to get away with, I think there's arguments on both sides. Like, okay, mm-hmm. Murray's the victim. He's doing things for self-defense, but at the same time is self-defense going beyond the point where you're literally choking a kid and putting a knife to his throat. Like, yeah. you know, things like that, like there's self-defense and taking it a little bit too far. Um, so yeah, I mean, there's Treed Murray too. Um, <laughs> Treed Murray the too. Trial. 
<laughs> special victims unit. Dun dun. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> Just in the courtroom. Judging Creed Murray. Um, <laughs> you know, coming soon. Featuring the return of Amy Brenneman. Um, what happened to Amy Brenneman, by the way? We talked about that, recently. This came up last week or the week before, didn't it? Yeah, well, we were talking about the like, the, the curly hair women. Like, Amy Brenneman and um, what was the woman in Providence who went on to CSI New York? I liked her. Oh, yeah, yeah. I know who you're talking about. But, but like, I mean, I, what, should show. I have been tweeting Amy Brenneman to come to my <laughs> wedding? Like, I feel like that wouldn't have been a stretch. <laughs> Should Amy Brenneman be the one we're aiming for on our... Th- right, let's get Amy Brenneman on for our 1,000th yes. episode. <laughs> we can get her and... Um, oh, I forgot the name of the other... We don't know the name of the other one from Providence. Right? That woman. I'm, I'm looking here. In all seriousness, I think we could get Amy Brenneman on the show. <laughs> she Have is we on covered Instagram. anything she's been in? She only has 93.8 thousand followers and 113.6 thousand followers <laughs> on Twitter. Um, I don't think we've ever like we could do. Um, was it daylight? The Sylvester Stallone. I know movie that's what I was going to say. Daylight. I'd love to cover that. Yeah. Um. In all seriousness, like I'm not even joking. I like I fucking love Amy Brenneman. I I love judging Amy as a kid. I'm not even going to be um ashamed. Why would I be ashamed to like that show? <laughs> it's a good show. Um. But oh, there's Amy Brenneman, the official website. Ooh. <laughs> the latest news in my notebook. Oh, we can buy an Amy Brenneman notebook. I'm here. All right. Come on. She does her own podcast, uh, it seems. She's busy. <laughs> oh, maybe we could be guests on her thousandth episode. Maybe. We'll do an exchange. Look, categories. Amy's thoughts and essays. What I've always wanted to read. <laughs> Come on. Wow. we got to ask her, what did you think of Treed Murray, Amy? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Judging Amy Brenneman well, podcast. Let's... Let's get to the the scene where everything escalates here, because that's basically the topic right now. Anyways, uh, so it starts to get violent here uh, as night falls. They're climbing the tree trying to get to him. Uh, this all uh, culminates in, I guess, both Murray and Carter, the youngest kid, being stabbed. And Murray ends up being able to chain him to the tree, tie a noose around his neck, essentially, and say, you know what, like this, this is my deal here. Uh, I am going to cut his throat. Uh, I'm going to drop him down there. And then you're going to go for help. Uh, and of course, they're going to turn him down on that. Um, there, He also breaks his arm too, I think, uh, which I don't think that comes up later on. Like now that I think about it, I remember the scene where he pulls his arm back and you hear a snap, but I don't, mm. does he have a broken arm in this movie? I don't know. Cause it's kind of like, and also what's the face? His ankle kind of just disappears after a while too. So yeah. Um, yeah. Cause he's, I thought doesn't no doesn't his hand get like crushed or something? I thought it was his hand. I didn't know if it was his whole arm. Maybe it or that. is. But um, uh, no, yeah, it kind of does disappear after a while. The homeless guy shows up here, uh, and Murray's again saying, "Help me! You got to help me!" And he basically says, "Hey, you know what? I don't, I don't want to get involved here." Saying, I think the exact same line he said when Murray turned him down for the money earlier on. Uh, a helicopter is circling around. Uh, and um, uh, Murray tries to get to the top of the tree to uh, signal the helicopter. He can't get high enough. Everybody else is sort of fleeing. Carter eventually is going to fall and start choking. So now the noose is around his neck, and he's actually choking himself to death. Uh, This is where Murray holds the knife to his throat, uh, and uh, this is the part where he says, you know, I'll tell you how to stop the bleeding, and then you're going to go for help. Uh, Shark, we find out, well, we think he's supposed to be bluffing here. He says, you know what? 
the kid's not worth anything anyways. And he gives Carter's backstory about, you know, he doesn't have any parents. He has this terrible life. Uh, nobody's going to miss him if he's gone. And they just sort of all walk away. And I, I love the moment where all of them individually, like, no, no, we got to help him. And Shark's like, no, just come with me, sit down. And they all just take a seat. Uh, Murray can't bring himself to actually cut Carter. Uh, he lets him down. Uh, and uh, one of the best things about this is I had the exact same thought. I'm like, Shark was bluffing with him. We find out later on, no, he wasn't bluffing with him. Hmm. There's a lot of these people revealing their stories where you're thinking this is a story and then you find out it isn't. Um, they, uh, the, the moment that comes up uh, next is where Kelly's giving her shirt to Carter. Uh, so now she's basically topless, not topless. She's still wearing a bra, but uh, Aaron Ashmore gives his jacket. So it's another moment of Aaron Ashmore. Oh, this is his girlfriend. He's very protective of her. You think that that's going to come up later on. It ends up being different. Uh, and uh, as everybody sort of uh, left, except for Kelly at this point, she has a conversation with Murray. So now we get the the one-on-one between her and Murray where she's telling the story about, you know, oh, you know, I, I sold myself uh i essentially a prostitute and she's saying yeah you know you know the type i know you and she's telling the story as if i remember you from before you came and you told me get in the car give me a hundred bucks whatever uh and no not for one second did i believe this was the case but murray does which is one of the best revelations of this movie where he says you know what i didn't realize I, i i don't recognize you but i'm sorry that i did that and she's like, ah, I knew it. Like she was bluffing. Now the story was her true, was true that she really did prostitute herself, obviously for drugs. But now we get the revelation. Murray, after saying, "Oh, I had one mistake ever," you find, no, you were going to see prostitutes, and you've seen enough of them that you can't even remember if this teenage girl is one of them. Now you're like, Murray's a real scumbag. <laughs> mm. But. He's a scumbag. He's trying to turn his life around because that's why the briefcase is so important because he's got the picture in there. And, you know, Shark rips up the picture and Murray keeps looking at this with sadness. Like he wants his family. He's got the pamphlet about the dysfunctional family. He wants to fix his life, but he is a terrible person. So after this conversation, when they come back, uh, Shark is getting, I guess, the revelation of why he's afraid of these, the Ravens. Uh, so the Ravens, we realize now, is a, a rival gang. And he's saying, okay, they're they're here. We need to hide. I love that they, they throw the rocks at the streetlight, you know, just to, to make a complete darkness. Uh, and Murray's, at this point, going on and on. It's like, oh, Raven, oh, Raven. <laughs> uh, and he gives the, the story that, uh, you know what, I, I was doing a deal for them. I took a cut of the money, and now they're really angry at me. So... Uh, Murray at this point you're like he has the upper hand now Murray's doing something smart where you're like you know what I wouldn't have thought of that would actually work because they're saying oh they're going to kill us all well you're telling me I'm dead anyway so I might as well take you with me but then they say well you know they're not just going to take us what do you think they're going to do to Kelly before they kill her and then he has a little bit of sympathy on her so now you're slightly back on Murray's side again you know he has a heart he doesn't want this poor girl to go through suffering Uh, and um uh, the, when all the lights go out and Murray's eventually quiet, these sharks come through. You, hear, you see that they're carrying a severed head. Which, which you I never double see take. Because, like, I mean, I'm watching this on YouTube, right? Not the greatest quality. So mm-hmm. kind of like I, I'm sort of looking and I'm like, was that a head? And was that the homeless yeah. guy? Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, it's great. Like, you don't even see this gang. But it, it puts the fear in that, you know what? Something worse than this gang is out there. 
uh, as uh, they all go off now, except for Kelly and um, uh, who is it? Casey, who's the one character that you have no sympathy for in this movie, by the way, mostly because of this moment. He reveals that he found the pill bottle, which has got the the cocaine, the the pasta and cheese. And <laughs> he's like, oh, do you want some of this, Kelly? Don't you? And you you really get that. Like, she's a she's a bad drug addict. Uh, and he says, you know, you know the deal, though. You got to give me something in return. So obviously he wants sex in return. Um, oh, so you understood that one. I did. Yes. <laughs> Didn't they want to fight? <laughs> Dead ringers again completely opened up my eyes. <laughs> Whole new world. <laughs> uh, but um, uh, th- there's the, after this, uh, we get a little bit of KC just kind of kind of breeze through some of the stuff here. So, <laughs> sorry, you said we get a little bit get of a KC little bit and of I'm about KC. to go and the Sunshine Band. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but KC Murray again hasn't completely pegged. This is where he's like, "Hey, you knew what type of briefcase I had. You're not who you say you are. Look at your clothes. You know those are fresh off the rack clothes, expensive." And he basically pegs him as a rich kid who's playing gang member here, uh, which is only going to make him angrier. Which is why is that a bad thing? Like, I'm sorry that if I'm, I'm, I've never been a gang member. I don't know. Maybe you have in the mean streets of, uh, you know, LaSalle. I don't know. But like, <laughs> I mean, why, why is that a bad thing? Like, a, a yeah, street he, kids really like, man, I'm gonna judge you because you were rich and now you're with me. Wouldn't the kids be like, sweet, you're rich? Like, fuck, can we have some money? Well, yeah, and like, I think that's the thing where Murray's using it to try to turn them against each other. Hey, you don't know who each other are, but. This movie, this gang, they're not what you expect they are. Like again, they're not terribly violent. You know, they're they have sad stories. They're not blaming their sad stories for their life. And here you have the one kid where it's like, oh, he's rich. Yeah, they probably would be like, you know what? Take us to your place. Yeah. <laughs> Can you get Go us a car? Can you get us some money? Like, come on. Like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, yeah, but, but it's a cool revelation that even the the one kid who's like pure evil in this movie. Uh, is completely different character than you think he would be. Uh, this is the point where Casey drops the bottle and like, oh, this is where you got the ball. Because he had tried to, uh, Murray had tried to use this. He knew what was going on, but he tried to use it against Shark. Say, oh yeah, well, where do you think she got it? Because now they all know Kelly's off. She's stoned somewhere. And it must have been Shark because he had the bottle. Casey drops it and he realized, no, it is actually Casey that had it. Uh, I love Murray's reactions. Like, this just gets easier by the minute. <laughs> they're all turning on each other. Uh, they got the flares. I don't know. I mean, though, really, the only reason they would get these flares is so they could see because they broke the street lamp, and it creates a cool little mood and uh, you know uh, environment. But why did they? Hey guys, I brought some flares. <laughs> it's a little bit weird. <laughs> why does a homeless guy have flares? <laughs> yeah, don't all homeless people have? Flares? There you go, judging again, Ben. Oh, sorry, sorry. <laughs> uh, I'll uh, I'll just try to wrap everything up here. So. Um, Carter uh, has the conversation now with uh, Murray where uh, Murray's asking him that story he told about you. Is that even true? Because, again, he's assuming it was just a bluff. And, you know, Carter basically doesn't say anything. So you get, no, it really is true. This is a sad kid. He's had a sad life. And they have the conversation about his grandfather and his birthday. And, uh, again, when Murray's trying to, you know, I don't know if he's trying to smooth. You really don't know at some point. Is Murray trying to smooth him over? Does he actually kind of feel for this kid? But he says, oh, you know, really, what did you get your kid for your birthday? And he's like, well, that's different. My, my wife got it. It's like, but you don't even know what she got him. You know, there again, Murray, not a very good father. Deadbeat dad month. <laughs> In defense of 
Murray, my dad did that every Christmas and my dad's not a deadbeat dad. <laughs> my dad gave my mum money. My mum bought the presents and he'd be on Christmas Day going, oh, is that what we paid for? Sweet. <laughs> it's kind of the other way around. It was the other way around with us. I'll come up with the ideas of what to get the kids. I'll buy it on Amazon. It'll come here. And Jamie would be like, so what did we get them again? <laughs> this, this, this. Can't wait for your kids to listen to our show in like 10 years time. They're years like, time. she's a deadbeat mom. I bet she, she does cocaine too. <laughs> But she, she goes around with Grammy Award winners like mother, like <laughs> daughter-in-law. What? <laughs> because Jamie takes a lot of traits from my mom. <laughs> yeah. Good mother. Uh, anyways, one of the best parts of the, this is where the movie starts to get really deep. And again, very subtle. Uh, Murray excuses himself to go to the men's room. Uh, and in the middle of relieving himself, he falls from the tree. So now Carter's the only one there. Carter, the kid that he held the knife to his throat and strangled him. And Carter is the only one who's there to stop him. So what is he going to do? They cut away and Murray's back up in the tree. When everybody comes back, they see, what's this blood on your jacket? Uh, No, some of his blood just dripped. And you're like, okay, Carter helped him back up in the tree. Because Carter isn't that bad of a kid. He's had a bad life, but he he couldn't bring himself to do anything. He could have killed Murray right there. He could have beaten him, but he helped him back up in the tree. They're accusing him of this. And you're like, this is where Murray's going to have a heart and he's going to stick up for this kid. And instead, he's like, oh, oh, yeah, that's exactly what he did. Now, Murray is turning in the one innocent character in this movie that he's actually gone out of his way to hurt. This is what makes Murray a real big scumbag. But again, would you do any different in his situation if you thought they were actually going to kill you? I probably wouldn't care either. You know, it's a terrible, it sounds terrible if you don't know the whole story, but. Yeah. Mur- this is the worst thing any of these people forget about them trying to rob him forget about what they did with his wife they even say that at one point it's like what about what you did with my wife it's like oh well that was just a joke you can explain that away this kid is going to probably be killed by the other gang if they are who murray thinks they are he probably just killed carter now mm. they're not but murray doesn't know that which is great uh so this is where carter feels like he really has to prove himself because he let his gang down by not letting Murray go, but helping Murray back up in the tree, uh, working against them. And Carter says, you know what? I can get uh, my grandpa's gun uh, and uh, we can come back and we can finally kill him here. And uh, when they're letting him go, this is where the other gang members or or, uh, park rangers start to turn a little bit on shark. Don't let him do this. Uh, You know, he's, he does, you don't need that on his content. This is where Aaron Ashmore really starts speaking. Uh, We should also mention Aaron Ashmore did try to beat up, shark i can't believe i glossed over that mm-hmm. uh the first one where he really talks and he he goes hard on shark like you think he's gonna kill shark there that's the one part where you like you know not only am i now thinking that this guy could potentially be the hero that saves them in the end but this is going to potentially be the guy who can take shark down doesn't end up happening though which makes it even better uh yeah so aaron ashmore does not uh want this to happen to carter He basically figures all of our lives are destroyed. Don't do this to Carter. He's still too young. He doesn't deserve to be made a murderer. Uh, And uh, eventually they're going to, he's going to come back with the gun. Um, The, um, I don't even know what this one. Oh yeah. I put one guy Murray burned. I was putting that Carter was the one guy that Murray burned in this movie. And that's, what's going to seal Murray's fate. And I read my note and I'm like, somebody got burned in this movie? What? <laughs> was I really that tired you, this morning? You heard the tree idea and you're thinking like, yeah, Murray yeah. would have burned to death. And going, ah! Burn him! <laughs> burn him! Witch! Witch! Uh, 
So when Carter does come back with the gun, uh, he's just ready to give it to Shark, and Shark's like, no, Carter, you're going to kill him. Uh, so now he's got the gun on Murray, and even Murray's, at this point, seeming very sincere. It's like, don't do it, don't do it. Uh, Casey's going to wrestle the gun away from Carter. He's going to accidentally shoot Carter in the process. So now the one innocent person in this movie, who's the one guy that Murray really wronged, is dying. The only person in this movie that arguably shouldn't suffer in any way, uh, it gets to suffer even more. Uh, Casey, the one bad guy, is basically going to flee. Everybody else is staying there. They don't know what to do. Uh, Aaron Ashmore throws the gun into the bushes so they can't do anything else. Uh, they can't hurt Murray. Murray, the, the big debate, this is a very dramatic moment where Carter's bleeding death on the ground. A few of them are staying trying to help him. Murray just has this look on his face. And this is where David Hewlett's acting. Like, he's such a great actor. Uh, it's all in the music that's playing and just in his facial expression. Is he going to come down? Isn't he? And he comes down the tree. It's almost like a heroic moment. He comes down the tree and then you still have this tension as he's trying to, you know, I guess, get the bullet out or stop the bleeding. And you see Shark with the knife. And you're like, is Shark still going to kill this guy? Like, the tension does not stop in this movie, even when you're preconditioned to think, oh, Murray has this hero moment. He's going to save the day. Shark hands the knife over. Now Murray's just trying to stop. The, the, the best thing about this movie is that the movie ends, as you said, open-ended, almost not knowing what's going to happen. Does Carter live? We don't know. Does Carter live and they end up killing Murray? We don't know. Does anybody go to jail? We don't know. But I think what makes this ending for me is that it's just these people who have been trying to kill each other the entire movie. And now they're all sort of hovering over, working together, trying to save the one innocent person. Like it's, it, you can play the ending so many different ways. You can interpret it so many different ways, but it's just a simple ending where it just ends on them trying to save Carter. And it's not like, oh, that's such a cliffhanger. Oh, that's such a tense ending. It's almost like a happy ending where you're like, you mm. know what? There's a little bit of peace between this gang and this guy now. I don't think there's any better ending. I mean, mm -hmm. you know, it's kind of because with all these characters, you kind of sympathize with all of them, but you also hate all of them. So it's kind of, yeah. it's not like we clear cut want Murray to, to be free and these kids to be arrested because you kind of, you know, he's a bit of a jerk. So um, I keep tying it back to phone booth. Um, but, mm -hmm. you know, you learn more and more about Colin Farrell that he's a bit of a jerk and everything along those lines. And from memory, um, Keith Southern doesn't get caught, does he? Like, I think kind of they go to the room where he's in, but he's not there. Because, um, yeah, he, he walks away and you see him at the end. It's been a while since I've seen mm -hmm. phone booth. But um, great movie, great movie. Um, do we ever find out, is Murray, like, trained in first aid or something? Like, why does he know so much about wounds? Yeah. Yeah, he must be, because again, we know he's not a doctor, but it's the second time in the movie where he knows how to save somebody's life. I, I, I took a first aid course for a day. Uh, I have a first aid certificate. I wouldn't know what to do in this situation. So um, he's got very extensive first aid experience. I watched AR for 15 years. I mean, <laughs> you know, surely I could help. Because even when he's like threatening to cut um, Carter's throat, he's basically like, oh, I'm going to... I know where to cut. 15 minutes and blah. like I, again is that a plot hold is, is there something said is there a deleted scene um i feel like you know even if he just has a throwaway line of like yeah i'm an ad executive but i was a, a, a paramedic in afghanistan or something i don't know like just <laughs> all you need to do is say something along those lines one scene actually that i want to um kind of with murray and kind of the back and forth whether or not he's good at that is when he drops his jacket down to cover up yeah uh you know i think yeah, that's kind of like cool little scene um the, the, I don't like the Raven scene is cool. Don't get me wrong. Um, 
But like I, I, well, I was expecting them to come back, and maybe that's going to be the conclusion. Like they're going to fight mm-hmm. off. Like in a way, it should annoy me because it's kind of like, well, is this just there for what reason? But at the same time, like it kind of works because it's sort of that whole scene when he's like, oh, Raven, and then kind of yeah. you've got uh, Ashmore like talking him down. And again, what, what what point does Murray have there to to listen to this kid? Like you kind of are thinking like, like, fuck this guy. Like, no, like I'm going to take my chances. Like, you know, what worse can they do? But then kind of they have this moment of understanding where, as you say, like he kind of goes like, oh, no, like, you know, we, we, we can't let this happen to her and all this kind of stuff. So it's kind of, it, it is a nice little moment between the two of them. So, yeah, it kind of was. And that is a freaky scene because you kind of, I think, are they wearing masks or something when they're walking through? Like, It's so dark, it's hard to tell. Yeah, well, they've got like a blood machete and just, just a decapitated head. It's okay. <laughs> that, that, this is why I want the spinoff of like, you know, park cop on the bike, like finding a decapitated corpse the next day. There's a sequel in this, you know. <laughs> it's got nothing to do with what happens to these kids. It's have one of these ones of what's happening in the park at the same time. You know, I want to see what happens with headless homeless guy. And poor homeless guy. Like... <laughs> Here I am bagging out the homeless, but I mean, all this guy did was want some money and he ends up decapitated. <laughs> Poor guy, you know? Um, yeah, the K, you're right, KC's kind of like the, the bastard of the group. Like, you know, sex for drugs, you know, he just needs some rock and roll and he's Gene Simmons. Um, <laughs> <laughs> because apparently he shoots innocent guys as well. I don't know where that came from. Um but yeah, like everything else, just again, what I was saying before about it, keeps you on the edge of your seat. Like it's it's ten. Like I can imagine watching this for a second time when you know what's happening. It's not the same effect, right? But I mean, still, it's it's obviously still a great movie where everything you just kind of hook to everything about it. Um, and yeah, like the scene with um, Kelly and kind of you know I know who you are, I recognize. I'm thinking like, wow, okay, small world. But it's like, haha, I'm joking. But you admitted that you get blowjobs for fifty bucks, um, mm-hmm. things like that. So, yeah, no, I mean, I don't really have a whole lot more really to add on anything because it's just nothing to nitpick. I've had my nitpicks. Um, it's it's really good movie, Colin Hilding. Good choice. Good really, for you. Really good movie. That's, That's going to be on the next line. DVD case. Yes, ben Waterworth. <laughs> really good. Well, I tell you now, you talk about things being on DVD cases. It, it is my dream to have one of my quotes on a DVD case one day. Like, I know they don't even make DVDs anymore, but, like, I don't know. I just, I just want to see like, not as bad as the Last Jedi. Ben Waterworth, the Oz <laughs> Network. You know, like. I, well, that's we're gonna do it for Kill Phil's DVD release. Yeah. Not as bad as the Last Jedi. Exactly. <laughs> Adequate <laughs> cinema. <laughs> ben Waterworth, the Oz Network. This is a movie. The Oz Network. <laughs> um. All right. So let's uh, wrap this up here. Uh, Treed Murray, I can't find anything on the box office of this. I mean, I'm sure it probably played in like three theaters in Canada. Uh, who knows what it made. Do you, but, can um, we find out how much it costs to make? Maybe. Let me see. Because uh, I feel like this is, you know, not even a million dollar film. Yeah, well, I, it, you could easily make this for a very low budget. Yeah, um, I mean, maybe David Hewlett costs a little bit uh, at this point because he was popular on Traders. Uh, I can't find anything on this movie. Let's get some stuff on this movie out there. Yeah. This is why we need, uh, need him on the show so we can, you know, talk about it. Uh, reviews. Uh, it's got an 80, what is it? 81% on Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, yep. I lost it here. 
It yes. was even on Wikipedia. Okay. It doesn't have like anything. It usually has like reception yeah. and reviews, and because you know it's going to be a shit article when the nominations <laughs> for Genie Awards are in the introduction. <laughs> yeah, and, and you you see it in the the movie poster. Five Genie Award nominations. Okay, tell us which ones. You know, <laughs> an adequate uh, movie featuring five <laughs> Genie nominations. Better than the Last Jedi. <laughs> <laughs> Better than uh, I, Ground Murray. Uh, <laughs> Ground Murray sounds like a sounds like a meet you buy at Costco. <laughs> no, five ground pounds of ground Murray, Murray thanks. Mm. It's Murray. people. <laughs> uh, I I can say that it got five Genie Award nominations. Uh, it was nominated for picture, director, original song, sound and sound editing. It won the sound and sound editing, but it lost the others. Now, as upset as I am that Treed Murray, you know in my opinion, one of the greatest Canadian movies ever made. One of the greatest movies of this whole era, I could even say, lost. Um, the movie that it did lose to that year for Best Picture, Adonajou with The Fast Runner, uh, this movie, I think in the last 20 years, has twice been voted as the greatest Canadian film of all time. Hmm. Uh, and and it's, it's hard to argue. If you see this movie, it, it, it's a historical epic about the uh, Inuits and uh, really incredible movie. Is it French? Uh, but yeah. It's not well. It's Inuit. Oh, <laughs> that's different. <laughs> I listen. Sorry, I'm literally staring at the AmyBrenneman.com, and all I heard was. <laughs> uh, but there were some other higher-profile movies out that year where maybe this would be outshine. Uh, Law of Enclosures. That was a pretty big deal. Lost and Delirious. Um, the Last Wedding got a lot of nominations here. I'm not familiar with it, but. Uh, Looks like it was followed deal, by but... the rise of wedding and preceded by the wedding awakens. <laughs> Rogue wedding. <laughs> wedding, a solo story. Uh... Uh, but uh, no, it's still sad that there's not at least a nomination, especially for David Hewlett and uh, for Clay Bennett. Like those guys kill it in this movie. Uh, reviews. Now we can't find much for actual reviews, but we're just going to kind of go through the one star review on here. Of all reviews on IMDb, there is only one one-star review. Uh, this is a pretty wordy one, but uh, this person's an idiot. Okay. Uh, Ecto uh, wrote, yep. <laughs> I never really felt the need to post a review on here because who am I to say what a good movie is? However, I was appalled when I saw this movie got an 8 out of 10. Yes, Rear Window was set in one scene. It was a great thriller. This movie is set in one scene. It was not nearly as effective as Rear Window. They spelt effective wrong as well. Uh, the, this movie is ranked as high as The Graduate, higher than Forrest Gump and Sling Blade. This is simply inexcusable. <laughs> this movie was lame because there were so many fallacies. My first question is, why didn't the guy pee on the gang? <laughs> Yes. That would have added, they, they, they finished, pee on the gang, that would have added some action to the movie. He stabs one of them, holds a knife to his throat, and strangles him. Maybe if he had peed on him, it would have added some action to the movie. This guy's into golden showers. Oh, more peeing. Read some of these other reviews here. Team America, needed more peeing. The Office, where's the peeing? I want peeing. He he also adds here, uh, when he gets down, he runs towards the kid instead of running away when the kid obviously wasn't going to do anything. Really? He didn't grab the bat or anything. Really? Uh, it was like, okay, maybe he wanted to save the kid, but then he rats him out anyways. You're missing the entire point of this movie. 
Um, <laughs> oh, this one, this one's good. Furthermore, what kind of cop believes that ge- the cheer the gang was doing? Like, doesn't he even check it out at all? Hey, <laughs> I pointed that out. Come on. I love the <laughs> that he writes in there. It's just like, come on, get real. <laughs> maybe equals um, a graduate. What? <laughs> I don't even know what that means. Uh, my favorite part, other than the fact that it was over, was when the gang first came out. It was so funny that it was a racially and sexually diverse gang. It was just like, wow, I hope this isn't a sign of what's to come. The kids were so not tough. They deserve to get jumped for being in this movie. You were upset that it was a racially and sexually diverse gang. You were upset by that, and you wanted them to get jumped for that reason. <laughs> but, but what's sexually diverse about this gang? One There's girl? Four men and one girl girl i mean i don't know how you think sexually diverse gang should look but like this gang wouldn't fly in 2021 there's not equal <laughs> equal quota like gang recruitment in 2021 has quotas now you know like casey wouldn't be a part of a gang today sorry you've got a dick mate gotta yeah. go and, and you're rich two yep. strikes and you're white sorry <laughs> we've already got the token white uh, guy his name's aaron ashmore <laughs> Are you Latino? You Asian? No, nah, sorry, too white for me. Uh, I'm gonna hope that we get something good in the plot keywords here. Uh, There's tree, tree, tree month. Okay, <laughs> so please tell me, treat Murray's up there. 1917, Star Wars Episode Nine: The Rise of Skywalker. What tree is there in that movie? The Luke Skywalker tree. Wasn't that Last Jedi? Doesn't get burned. That was Last Jedi. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Blade Runner 2049 and Black Panther. Oh, all the trees. <laughs> Uh, stabbed in the late movies. months. <laughs> oh, sports bra. Sports bra. Yeah, I know you're clicking on that one. What's in it, Ben? Million Dollar Baby, Bring It On, Tomb Raider, and Bad Mums. Not what you think it was going to be. Uh, let's finish it up with Severed Head Month. <laughs> yeah. Um, Avengers Endgame, The Godfather, Avengers Infinity War, and Rise of Skywalker. Disney really likes severed heads age of ultrons in the top four out of the top five are disney films with severed heads well speaking of disney films what about crack cocaine month uh featuring (laughs) the wolf of wall street snowfall the blind side (laughs) 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 and true romance see i told you this movie's connected to the blind side it's the same that was the sequel to tree murray The blind side crack cocaine. <laughs> Must have missed those scenes of Sandra Bullock being a helpful was... mother in the background <laughs> sniffing coke off a, a newfound football player's butt. <laughs> it was in the same scene where Sandra Bullock peed off the top of a tree. <laughs> Take those gang. pants off. I want to sniff some coke off your junk. <laughs> um, so, Treed Murray, um, do we have anything else? We don't have reviews we don't have uh we got the rewards and everything yeah let's call There's it not, all like, right what is wrong with the world there, there should be more on this movie like i i was so surprised like i was so excited yeah. to read the trivia and the, everything about it. i always like that at the end of a you know a, watching a movie for the first time there's nothing not a thing yeah this movie needs to be a bigger thing it needs it come on we need it yes exactly and we need it like teenage girls need crack cocaine we need this to become a thing i think you're about to say like teenage girls need ben waterworth but i'm a married man now. <laughs> to a teenage girl <laughs> not anyone no close but she's she's older she, well you know i often think about that um that, <laughs> that when i was 19 she was 10 so <laughs> <laughs> and that was their first date. Um, 
She was old by then, Colin. Um. <laughs> uh, anyways, Ben, please tell me you're buying this movie. Well, just before I before I answer that, when this movie came out, I was fourteen. Uh, Mallory was five. So, um, okay. Um, yes, I'm buying this movie. Yes! And this, this movie is number one of my month. It's overtaking oh! Swing Safari. So, yeah. this That's this, crazy because you, you love Swing Safari. This might be number one out of all the Canada-USA movies we've done. Yeah. It might even be above the Castle and Boytown for me. So, um, yeah, no, I love this movie. I really, really enjoyed this movie. Good. I'm buying it too. I actually do. I'm one of the few people who owns a copy of Treed Murray. Uh, I wasn't sure last year, last year when we pick, I mean, we could talk a little bit about what we could potentially be doing next year for this month. But uh, last year, I think we both picked, you know, movies that were more mainstream. In my case, I couldn't do it without picking Bond Cop, Bad Cop, because that's the most successful Canadian movie. Couldn't do it without Men with Brooms, because that was sort of the movie that opened the door to mainstream uh, Canadian commercial movies. Uh, but when I finished the month, I immediately said, next year, I'm doing a movie called Treed Murray. And at the time, I thought I was going to have to uh, transfer my copy my copy of Treed Murray and then email a link to you or something, put it on Google Drive. I'm like, how else is Ben going to find Treed Murray? But I'm glad this is on YouTube. And if people have listened through this and they haven't seen the movie, go watch it on YouTube. Yeah. It's got a thousand views. And I'll admit, um, not that I know how to download things off YouTube. Who would know how to do that? Um, I may have downloaded this movie so I can keep it in the off chance that ah. it does get removed from YouTube. So, yeah. Good. 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 Uh, do it. <laughs> so, final rankings. Uh, uh, Canada, Australia, month part two. I am absolutely putting Treed Murray number one. I will put Crocodile Dundee number two. I'll put Dead Ringers number three, and I'm putting Swing and Safari last. Although Swing and Safari still had its moments. Um, well, Treed Murray number one, Swing and Safari number two, Crocodile Dundee number three, and Dead Ringers at number 87. <laughs> <laughs> now, what what are we going to do for next year? Like, do you have ideas in your head? Because I changed, even in the last 24 hours, I'm like, oh, no, I'm going to pick these two movies. Oh, no, I'll pick these two movies. Um, just quickly before I answer that again, uh, I just I found out uh, the woman we were talking about before from Providence uh, and say something, Melina Kanakaredis uh, oh, is her name. Just people come on for the thousandth episode. Her David Hewlett. Um, I'm really thinking of Tomorrow When the War Began, just because if you want to have like a blockbuster Australian movie in terms of like an action film, um, I would say that it. This is a book I've read, Colin. Haha, <laughs> Ben's read a book. Um, very popular Australian sort of teen novel series from the, I think maybe the late 90s, early 2000s. Basically, it's Red Dawn. Uh, it's, you know, a, a group of kids go camping for the weekend in a small Australian town. They come back and Australia has been invaded and they don't know who it is. Uh, and they've got to try and rescue their family. Um, I've, I'll admit, I've never seen Red Dawn, so uh, I, I've only ever known Tomorrow When the War Began. Um, but this movie adaptation was pretty accurate to the book, very, very close to the book. Um, it was meant to start a franchise because there's about seven books. It never did. They, about four or five years later, made a TV series of it, which was fine, but they just added so many plot lines to this story that didn't need to be and they still haven't explored the sequels yet so no idea but um i'm thinking that just because it's actually a good movie and in terms of an australian action blockbuster this is as close as you would get there was one that came out recently where it was like i think like an end of the world movie set in australia um but i've never seen it uh i i don't know if i want to risk putting up a movie that i've never seen before um 
And I'm honestly, and I'm not just doing this to dick with you, Colin, I'm honestly thinking of Australia because like get it over and done with and like maybe have like a divisive film. And like, I, in all honesty, I think there's a bit of a story around Australia that should be told because like this was promoted as like the crocodile, like this is going to change it. This is going to be, I mean, Oprah fucking flew everyone to Australia basically Mm. because of this movie. Like the promotion around this movie in Australia was just beyond belief and it kind of tanked. It kind of didn't achieve what people were hoping it would achieve. Right. Mm -hmm. So, um, and like, I honestly do like Australia. I like, I've seen it once. I was kind of like, okay, this movie is better than, because I went into it thinking like people have said this movie is rubbish, but I honestly enjoyed it. Um, and I don't think we've done a Hugh Jackman film before, have we? So, no. Um, yeah, I don't know. At this time, if I had to choose right now, it would be Tomorrow When the War Began and Australia. But we've got 12 months. Who knows? There might be the best movie ever made in Australia released in 2021. So, but like, I mean, again, other ones I could think of like Mad Max. I've never seen Mad Max. Um, I mean, Gallipoli is up there. I don't really like Gallipoli. You got other classics like Picnic at Hanging Mo- uh, Picnic at Hanging Rock, which is an iconic Australian film. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I've t- touted out there doing On the Beach, which is more of a TV miniseries, but. Um, you know, that is such a sad little mini series that, you know, it'd be quite depressing to cover, but, um, yeah, as, as of right now, tomorrow when the war began in Australia are probably on my list. Uh, I mean, two of the movies I really want to do are Adam Agoyan, who's the most respected Canadian director, the sweet hereafter, which it was such a big deal for Canada. And then the follow-up he made to that, a movie called Ararat, uh, which is, I guess borderline big, you know, um, uh, epic movie because it's about the Armenian genocide, but it's actually about the making of a movie about the Armenian genocide. Uh, I think Ararat would be the one I'd lean towards, although it's not nearly as popular as The Sweet Hereafter. But especially after having done um, uh, Dead Ringers, you know, I'm really on a big David Cronenberg kick right now. And Dead Ringers is not, in my opinion, nearly the best David Cronenberg movie. Uh, Eastern Promises. I simply, I think simply because it doesn't take place in Canada, it loses a lot of that feel as being a Canadian movie, even though I think it's the best. Scanners would be brilliant to do because it is so over the top, so bloody, so violent. Uh, I actually thought about another movie. I don't know if you've ever seen it, a movie called Goon. It's like a super R-rated violent hockey movie, comedy oh, with Sean William super Scott. Super R-rated porn movie. Let's do it. No. <laughs> uh, Sean William Scott's in it. Jay Barucho, oh, if you know him, he's it. one of those yeah, yeah, Judd Apatow guys. About. Yeah, uh, Jay, uh, J- uh, not John Apatow, Jay Baruchel, he wrote both movies. He actually directed the second. Uh, and It's totally your type of thing. I mean, really, Sean really. Scott did it. It's my type of thing. Re- Bring back Sean William Scott <laughs> yeah. and Amy really, Brenneman. Uh... I want them in a movie together. <laughs> Goon 3, <laughs> judging Goon. <laughs> Keep talking. I need to find out their, their Kevin Bacon number. I'm sure they've been in something together. Who knows? Uh but yeah, like I'd love to do, you know, David Cronenberg's really ultra violent stuff like Scanners. Uh, the Goon would be another one. Uh, one really fun one would be Hobo with a Shotgun, uh, <laughs> which I don't know if you're familiar with it. I'm not, but I want to watch it. <laughs> Tell <laughs> so, me already. So they, it's it's a fun story because when Grindhouse came out, like the the Quentin Tarantino Robert Rodriguez Grindhouse movie, they did a contest in Canada because they had all those fake trailers in the movie. Like Machete was one of the fake trailers, right? Rob Zombie made a fake trailer. Uh, in Canada, they held a contest said, independent filmmakers, you make a Grindhouse-style trailer and we will show it with the other Grindhouse previews in Canada. 
And the winner was this movie called Hobo with a Shotgun. It proved to be so popular that they made a real movie out of it, Hobo with a Shotgun. They came out a couple of years ago. That's, again, completely wild and crazy. Uh, and then some comedies that uh, I'd really like to do. Uh, the Kids in the Hall movie, Brain Candy, the Corner Gas movie. Uh, but two that I think might, might actually be uh, kind of respectable and fun at the same time. Uh, one is uh, a movie called Rocket about Rocket Richard, who's one of the most famous NHL players of all time. It's like his biopic. And another one called Shake Hands with the Devil, which I'm Good really that. leaning towards that one right now. Yeah, that's about Romeo Dallaire, who is uh, you know, a Canadian general who more or less was was leading the peacekeeping forces during the Rwandan genocide. Uh, the His story is already... Nick Nolte played a version of Romeo Dallaire in another movie called well, Hotel Rwanda. But uh, the documentary Shake Hands with the Devil was so incredible. And they made a, a live action movie out of it, which again is incredible. So if I had one that I'd say is almost a given for next year, I might say Shake Hands with the Devil. No Porkies? You don't want to do Porkies? See, Porkies is another one. It's almost like Eastern Promises for me because... It doesn't take place in Canada, but it, yet at the same time, it's kind of like you said with Mad Max. It's so important because that like opened the doors for Canadian movies, Porky's and Meatballs. I mean, it's it's not a movie I'm really that familiar with. It was definitely like your parents' movie. All everybody's parents love Porky's, you know. But it's so important, not just I think for Canadian movies, but as the original sex comedy, like that, that really dominated the '80s. That's what started it. So you're it's definitely on the, on the list. You're scared. Oh, sex comedy! I can't do one of those. <laughs> um, speaking of sex comedies, uh, Sean William Scott and Amy Brenneman uh, have a Kevin Bacon number of two. Sean William Scott was in American Pie, funnily enough, with Lawrence Pressman, who was in Nine Lives with Amy Brenneman. So there you go. Uh, you know what? There's our two guests for our thousandth episode. <laughs> <laughs> um. You, what were you just talking about? Oh, uh, have they ever done a Wayne Gretzky movie or is this still to come? No, no, really? no Wayne Gretzky movie. Wow. There was a, uh, a Don Cherry miniseries. That's the <laughs> the closest. Can they wait until they're that? dead before making them. <laughs> yeah. It's not like uh, England, right? Where it's like, oh, there's a new Royal. Let's make a miniseries. Like, Australia does it too. We, yeah. we, we have many miniseries where they're just like kind of just out of the blue. There was a real miniseries kick. Actually, there's a Paul Hogan miniseries um, they did and... <laughs> You would know the guy who plays Paul Hogan. Um, the the George Lazenby um, movie. The guy who played Lazenby in the Lazenby yeah, movie? Josh, Josh Tom, not Josh Thomas, uh, J- Lucas. No, God, what's his name? I really like yes. him. He's a, good, he's a good actor. Clearly, I'm, I'm a big fan. Yes. Um, he played Paul Hogan. I think it was literally called Hogs because that's what he was called in Australia. I, I didn't watch it because, like, legitimately in Australia, we just went through such a phase of miniseries like it started with in excess they did the in excess one that was mm. really popular so then they basically did one on any a famous australian and i think when they got to the paul hogan one like everyone was like holy crap this is crap like this is not good. the guy sebastian miniseries coming hey, soon <laughs> it, it, it will probably have they did an olivia newton john one um they did a um gosh they, they've done so many um some of the ones i think you probably wouldn't have heard of but um yeah it's an interesting place, Australia, when it comes to making those things. But I, I, I will watch whatever you tell me to because I have to. And I was right this year. Uh, so. <laughs> well, I mean, one of them you were. You I, the I liked Dead the Ringers, but I had, I had also never seen Dead Ringers. I just saw the reputation of it and said, well, we got to do that. Which yeah. is why I want to bring Cronenberg back next year for one of the ones like Scanners. Oh. Uh, maybe, you know... Uh, potentially Eastern Promises at some point, but I think I, Scanners would be the one. I don't trust points. the guy who puts his name that big on a poster. Even I didn't put my name <laughs> that big on Killfield 2. Come on. Uh, oh, you have so much in common with the Vanity Project, though. So. Uh, but next month, we have something fun, uh, which is anniversaries. 
And yes. we actually just covered two back-to-back -back anniversary movies that aren't on there. We covered the 35th anniversary of Crocodile Dundee, the 20th anniversary of Treed Murray, but we're getting into the big anniversaries. Uh, you've got the lineup of what we're covering. Do you have it in order there? I do. I, I believe we're actually doing it in chronological order. We'll reverse chronological order, which is kind of Newest, exciting. oldest. And I'll say, like, for anniversary month this year, I've seen three of the four of them. Uh, I can tell you I... Well, I love two of them. Uh, I quite like one of them and the fourth one which i haven't seen i feel like i'm going to like because i like one of the stars although the other star is a bit of a letdown on the couple of movies we've covered in because we don't understand why he's such a big deal <laughs> um we are doing for the uh i believe it is the 10th anniversary is it of the devil wears prada 15th. No, 15th 15th i was gonna say it's not 2011 devil wears prada movie which you haven't seen i believe colin never I'm Which, looking at it on a shelf right now because Jamie's got it. Jamie's always, it's one of these movies that like every time like, oh, what do you want to watch? Oh, we've watched The Devil Wears Prada. And I said this before, my reaction is always, do I look like somebody who want to watch The Devil Wears Prada? But I've heard it's so good though. I, I saw it at the movies and I enjoyed it and I have watched it. I, I'm not saying it's one I watch all the time, but like if Mallory says to me, let's watch The Devil Wears Prada, I'm not going to say no. She tried to get me to watch Coyote Ugly the other night and I flat out swore it very multiple times and said, I am not watching Coyote Ugly. I have a penis. Um, I like Coyote Ugly, but I like oh, Coyote no. Ugly. I like Coyote Ugly because Piper Parable is in it. Um, but no, Devil Wears Prada, good movie. I, I really enjoy it. And we get to talk about a Tasmanian. Simon Baker's in it. So, you know, go Simon Baker. But we're doing Os that first. Oh, okay. Simon Baker. I thought you said Osama Baker. I'm like, who? Yeah, Osama Bin Laden <laughs> is in this movie. Proud Tasmanian. Um, we are then also, speaking of Sean William Scott, he's coming on the Oz Network because we're doing <laughs> Evolution, which you talk about podcasts never doing Evolution. This is a movie which... Like, I just don't get why this hasn't become, like, a cult thing and people talk about it more. We, I mean, Galaxy Quest we did, and that's now got this huge cult following. You know, Zoolander, a 2001 film, which went on to become, like, a big cult following. So many movies from this year are great and don't get any love, and Evolution's up there. The other one is Rat Race, which, sadly, we're not doing anymore, but, like, that's another movie which we can maybe just do for Movies We Love Month, uh, you know. But Evolution, like... Sean Williams got David Duchovny and Orlando Jones, like three guys that just work so well. Julianne Moore's in this movie. He's fantastic. Gregory Itzen, a.k.a. President Logan. Oh, yeah. Um, Dan Aykroyd. Like, it's got such a great cast, and it's it's basically like a Ghostbusters because it's Ivan Reitman, right? But um, I don't know. Like, I just every time I watch this movie, I get sad because I'm like, why wasn't this movie a bigger thing? It's so funny. It's so good. And I don't think you like David Duchovny, do you? So this is going to be... no. Strange. I love David Duchovny. Like, I love him so much. So, oh, such a great movie. Yeah, Evolution, uh, I I saw it when it first came out. I've probably seen it one, at least one more time since then. But uh, this is this is sort of like what happened with The Replacements for, for us. You said, oh, yeah, The Replacements, I really love that movie. But, like, I haven't seen it in such a long time. And it was something I watched all the time. This is the opposite, where you're like, oh, I watch Evolution all the time. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I remember really liking that movie. I just haven't seen it in so long. So who knows if it'll hold up for me. It was one of the first DVDs I ever owned. I remember when I got a DVD player. And it's like, this is one of those movies where like I'll randomly think of quotes all the time and yet I can't use because no one knows the movie. So I'll be like, caca, caca. And people are like, what are you doing, Ben? And it's like, it's going, it's going for the leg. No, no, don't take my leg. It's going to his groin. Take the leg, take the leg. <laughs> and there's this, this, I definitely remember that one. And there's the bit when like Orlando Jones is in that scene and they say something to him and he does this, no, like in this high pitched, like little squeaky voice, which I just used. Oh, so funny. Um, also, the one that I haven't seen, Point Break. 
And, uh, oh, I love that. Which, Keanu Reeves, Patrick Swayze. This is the old one, folks, not the, the new yeah. one. Um, give me a bit of a love for Point Break for a movie I haven't seen. Point Break, I think, is uh, the movie that set the stage for 90s action movies. Uh, I can't think of... There, there were actually... You obviously had Die Hard, Lethal Weapon, Ramble, those things in the 80s. But as far as just like very flashy... Uh, very, lot, very cool movie, you know? We got surfers who are also bank robbers and skydivers. Uh, and, I mean, Patrick Swayze and Keanu Reeves. I mean, this is Jamie's dream right here. So uh, I, I didn't get to see this movie. I was too young when it came out to really be able to watch it, even though I was such a big Bill and Ted fan. But when I eventually saw this movie, it was one of these, oh, I completely get why this is a classic. And this movie's reputation, we're, we're 30 years this movie's reputation has grown so much in 30 years where now it is considered a classic. Uh, but it's been a couple of years since I've seen it. And I did see the remake and I actually didn't mind the remake. It wasn't like terrible, but like nothing's going to top the original. So, okay, I'm just reading here and maybe you're going to spoil this for me. Okay, no, I just read the synopsis. I'm reading here. Patrick Swayze as Bodie, ex-president Ronald Reagan. I'm like, what? <laughs> playing Ronald Reagan? <laughs> They rob banks dressed as the presidents of former presidents of the United States. Right. I, I see that here when you've got Richard Nixon, Jimmy Carter, and Lyndon B. Johnson. Um, I was like, wow, it's a movie about presidents. Um, and then saving the best for last, a movie that came in at number two on my all-time greatest movies list. A movie which, honestly, when I wrote that list, I wasn't expecting it to be number two, but now I've put it at number two. I'm proud as punch that it's there. And a movie that we will have a special guest on because I'll mention why in a second. Ferris Bueller's Day Off, and I will go into more detail about this story when we do it, but I, I, I have a fantastic story about how I first watched this movie and how I Me never too. nearly watched it um, and how this movie basically just changed my life. Um, I loved it so much. And we will have a special guest, and maybe I won't tell you who it is yet because this episode's probably... Ryan about Reynolds! Ryan Reynolds, uh, Matthew Broderick himself, will be joining <laughs> us. Um this movie's going to go for about eight hours, basically, this episode, because yeah. of the guest. Um, we made a... I think we did talk about it on air from memory. So if you are lad undercover and you know all our episodes back to front, I would say Chris Dixon, but I think he's dead now. I don't know. I haven't heard from him in a while. <laughs> if, if you are listening, Chris, don't message me. That isn't a cue to message me. <laughs> if you're alive, great. Keep breathing, my friend. Um, but uh, we, we did an episode, I think it was in the Survivor Oz days still, and basically one of our guests, we got talking about Ferris Bueller's Day Off. And he was like, that is like my all-time favorite movie. If you ever do an episode on Ferris Bueller's Day Off, I want to be part of it. So I'm like, okay. So I messaged him the other day and he like lost his shit. He's like, yes, yes, yes. He's like, I always love coming on your show, but like, this will be so amazing. Like, I am so excited. And he sent me literally like 50 gifts in a row. So like, it was absolutely <laughs> really, really crazy. So um, yeah, we'll have a special guest. Be prepared for the longest possible Oz Network movie recap of all time. But uh, who cares? We're doing Ferris Bueller's Day Off. It's worth it. That's just like, I, I still remember, we're going to have to come up with a point to do it eventually. But when we do The Karate Kid, Billy Garcia is on that episode. Uh, <laughs> Billy Garcia has already said, yeah, you do The Karate Kid, I'm on there. So, well, that's uh, we're Bowfinger. Gonna... I know you you don't want any yeah, excuses. Bowfinger. Bowfinger. We'll get Matt Dyson on for that one as well. So We yeah. should just do that. We should do special Survivor, uh, ex-Survivor castaways well, favorite movies month in all seriousness yeah. i mean people would accuse us of ripping off um uh uh mario lanza because he kind of does that with his um uh the podcast which i've, I've been on and mm -hmm. i completely forgot the name of it right now sorry mario <laughs> if you're listening but um we could do that like i i reckon we could get yeah. on other people for for movies so um mm -hmm. yeah 
That's one way Coming to keep so- our survivor roots alive in our 10th anniversary. Yeah, when uh, when James Bond gets cancelled out of November into 2022, we'll have a month to fill. We'll do it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, By the way, no time to yeah, I got cancelled. Also, shit, sorry. Um, Tanya Roberts dead, oh, Tanya Roberts alive. Sorry, we've got the joke. Okay, whoa. Whew. We almost made it through an episode, but yeah. good to know that she's dead and alive. <laughs> good, good for her. Dead or alive. You spin me right round, baby, right round. <laughs> but uh, Ferris Bueller, I'm so excited because, I, I mean, I thought I was going to come in as like the big Ferris Bueller fan because I think that made number 20 or 21 on my list. And then you put it at number two. This is going to be one of these movies like Jurassic Park where it's just universal love from both of us. And also, I when I saw it the first time, it, it, it was like a fun experience and a cool experience that I uh, I remember um, as a kid watching that. But uh, yeah, that's that's our, our climax. Climax! With Barry Climax. Nelson. Climax. So anniversary month starts next week. With the Devil Wears Prada. Uh, make sure to tune into all those other episodes we do not have coming out yet. But trust us, we are banking things right now. And get excited, I will say just quickly, because I do believe, I do believe, that's a in joke <laughs> with another friend who doesn't listen to this show, um, that it opens up with a song from your favorite artist. So, yes. Which which does the Devil Wears Prada? Yeah. You, uh, if it's Madonna, I am not doing the episode. <laughs> <laughs> Looks like I'm doing solo next week, folks. <laughs> I'll get Mallory on. Uh, the Devil Wears Prada with Ben and Mallory and Dan Foley coming soon. Uh, <laughs> oh, spoiler! <laughs> <laughs> thank you for joining us. Thank you for watching Treed Murray. If you didn't watch it, go watch it now on YouTube, Treed Murray. Uh, my name is Colin, and this has been a sexually and racially diverse podcast. My name is Amy Brenneman, and get him, G. Thanks for downloading this episode of the Oz Network. Make sure you never miss an episode by subscribing to the podcast via Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, or by copying our RSS feed into your preferred podcast provider. And while you're there, please drop us a rating and leave us some feedback. You can also be sure to stay up to date with all the latest episodes and happenings from the show, as well as finding out how you can get involved in upcoming episodes by following our social media pages on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram, as well as getting everything you need under one roof at theoznetwork.net. Thanks again for listening and we'll speak to you next time. 